so I was watching, uh, not watching, I was listening to um, Constellation, that, the new uh, Last Stand podcast about just random stuff. And they were talking about kangaroos, how kangaroos are such a weird animal when you think about it. Like, it's like a jumping, boxing rat with mm-hmm. a pouch, essentially. Yeah. Like, it's such a weird design for, like, an animal. And then the conversation went towards how, I guess, Australians, for Australians, kangaroo meat is, like, a delicacy. I didn't know that, but apparently it is. And it got me to, it got me thinking, Johnny, which animals would you be willing to take a taste on? Uh, now, for me, okay. what I've always wondered, just because of the way it looks, I've always wanted to try beaver tail. Beaver tail. Yeah, because it looks like a steak. It looks like a steak attached to like a squirrel. Like okay. the way the tail's like flat and it has like the it has it looks like it has like the like the marks like 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 grill marks kind of. Uh, yeah. With the cross hash hash pattern. I was like, I bet a beaver tail tastes good, but it's probably really muscly and sinewy. Is that at the top of your list of exotic? No, the top of my list would be hippo. A hippo. I bet hippo tastes good. It's probably like really like fatty. Mm -hmm. It's probably like a better version of pork, I imagine. But I don't know. What do you think? Probably very muscular too. The hippo? Yeah, it's mostly blubber, I think. Okay, I I think I'll take anything as far as food goes. I just don't want to eat insects. Really? Yeah, insects are a delicacy all around the world. I don't care. I don't Crickets, grass, grasshoppers, worms. No way. Caterpillars, even. No insects, and then I, I think I might take any animal. It just depends on on the part. Like, did I, I tell you when I was in fifth grade, we went to science camp, and we, uh, my whole bunk, my whole like cabin, or it was like six or seven of us, we all tried uh like these like green worms. They, I don't know if they were caterpillars, but they were like really juicy, segmented kind of caterpillars or worms. Okay. And like the camp, the camp advisor, like the person, the adult who was assigned to our group, to our cabin, who like slept in like the same cabin as us, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, like he's like, I don't like them, but they're safe to eat. So like we all kind of, like on a dare, like all seven of us tried. No, actually, I don't think they they're safe to eat. They have this chemical that that the body can't process, and it's supposed to be really bad for you. Well, I don't remember if it's. I don't know if it's the exact same one you're thinking of. I don't. You said caterpillar though. right? It's like a caterpillar, or like a worm. It was like some kind of creep, like bubbly, juicy, like grub. So it was fresh like that. It wasn't dried out or anything. No, it was fresh. It was fresh. Uh, and I remember we tried it, and I, I th- it tasted like it was just very water. I remember it was just very watery. So you could just feel it squirming around or what? Oh, you just bit, bit into like segments, but like, uh, like bit the back part. I think I bit the back part. But I, I, one of one of our friends swallowed it whole without chewing, and I was like, oh, that's gross because then it's like wriggling. Oh, I've still inside of you. But like we bit into it, I remember it had like a very like. I don't know. It was like very watery, not sweet at all. It was very watery and like kind of just like tangy, like, like, I don't know if it was guts or something, but it had like a very like, kind of like a caramel kind of like feeling to it after a while. Not down for that. It didn't taste bad, but I can't tell you it tasted like anything like strong or particular. It was an interesting experience. Yeah. So I won't have any of that. I'll take snake. I don't think I care. I just don't want to eat the testicles, the penis. I don't like animal feet that's just odd to me so no pig's feet no chicken feet no because they use they use that for like a lot of the brines and soup bases and broths yeah i'll see sometimes i'll see a girl eating uh chicken feet and that's that's a complete turn off for me you know a lot of the broths they make like i saw a video i saw several videos where they make broth for ramen like the actual broth besides the noodles and they use chicken feet like in the base they don't like leave it there but they put chicken feet like in the base for the broth to kind of like absorb. Yeah, like I know I don't like it because I've I've tried it. It's just like bony and 
slimy. You see them at the stores too, where they sell like the chicken feet like separate. Yeah, too. I'm not down for that. I think in jars too. Sometimes you see them. What I what I had what I have had um, more recently was I went to Pomona to the Pomona Fair, mm-hmm. and for the longest time I wanted to get a frog. Oh. Frog tastes better than chicken. Really? It's great. Dude. I've seen frogs too, like at Stater Brothers, and uh-huh. I'm like, oh, like, is that good? Like, how do you prepare that? I don't even know. How would you eat that? Do you just fry them? Uh, yeah, they were deep fried. Uh, I think they were, they might have been breaded as well, but they were amazing, dude. Mm. So I would have that. Um, I've wanted to have ostrich for the longest time. Because oh, they, remember they, that spot yeah. right here? It used to Up do ostrich freeway. burgers, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it burned down. I always heard, I never tried it, but I always heard oxtail's good too. I've never had it. But I know that's like a delicacy, like in the, like the south, like southeast of the mm-hmm. United States. Like oxtail is like a actually supposed to be like a really good kind of cut of meat, or at least it tastes really good supposedly. Okay, so I always want to try that too. Yeah, man, I'd be down to go hunting someday if that ever mm-hmm. comes up. Let me know. I want to go hunting. I don't know if you can find ox to kill out here. No, I don't know. If that's a thing in California. I mean, <laughs> you might find quail, right? Like I don't know, somewhere in Cali or. Did I tell you that I finally tried chicken pad thai? Did I tell you that or no? Yeah, you did. Oh, okay, okay. I want to try. Oh yeah, I remember when I did. I want to try Indian food. There's like, I told you, there's an Indian spot like in Hesperia I want to try, but I'm waiting for uh later in this week when I have more time. I'm probably gonna go on Thursday or something. So, cool. gonna try that. Out. Anyways. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the DuoSense Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Rusku, joined by the badger of the high desert, the self-proclaimed lost cause, because he's always down for the cause, never down for the count, the unnecessary one, the truth, the badger of the high desert, Johnny. Hey. I forgot if I said badger of the high desert, so I said it again. I, I thought, said it twice. I thought that was a suspenseful moment. I don't know what you were doing. Like, I don't remember if I said it the first time so i'm like i'm gonna definitely say it the second time anyways johnny so obviously we have it this is the first time in two weeks we met um last weekend you were a little under the weather and i was definitely under the weather so we just decided to just call it off but um we're here now we're good mostly i still kind of have a cough a little bit but i feel miles uh that's the right increment i feel leaps better did i say that leaps better that's not much better okay all right. Well, I feel much better than I did last week. Anyways, let's get into it, John. We have five stories um, that I've gathered from the last two weeks. There's more stuff, but a lot of it is just stuff that's like very quick bullet point notes. I don't really know like what to say. Like the, for example, the giant Leviathan X in London. That's cool. Sony's PlayStation is marketing around the world. I think they have like uh, the ha- Thor's hammer from God of War Ragnarok. Also, yeah, like they're in- ramping up. They're really going to push the PS5 heavy this year, dude. There's, like, something in India. I forgot what it was. Do you remember? Like, some kind of weapon from... I don't know if it's from God of War. I saw one of the creatures from Horizon. Oh, yeah. The little raptor one. The little raptor one. Yeah. So, we got the Leviathan Where's that? Do you remember? No, I don't remember the location. Okay. I I just saw the picture. You'll find, like, these giant monuments of of video games for PlayStation. They're doing some kind of marketing push. Maybe a state of play. Maybe something else. Or it's just random. Maybe it's just a random marketing technique they're trying. Who knows? But if you if you look online, you'll see like there's just random PlayStation associated things popping up around. I think there's like a giant PS5 somewhere. Dude, I really hope they go back to their old marketing. You know, like Crash Bandicoot uh, type of <coughs> the guy wearing the Crash Bandicoot outfit. Yeah. Well, not that exactly, but they were funny, uh-huh. right? Like the we just recently had one where the reporters are talking about random events going on in the world, mm-hmm. but the events were actual video games happening like they were like worlds were merging together do you remember that um 
what was that that really cool PlayStation commercial where it was like it was a bar with all the video game characters in the bar. That's a classic. Too. And they were like all hyping up this one player, and there's like a picture of the player on the wall. And that's get, right. And then the camera pans back, you see all the different PlayStation kids, like players throughout the years or whatever. Uh-huh. They're like, uh, was it Michael? I think it was Michael, right? The name, like to Michael, right? It's like when this and this happened or whatever. Like Michael was there for us. It's like um, they should like some guy from Call of Duty. I think there's a, uh, I don't think Aloy's in there, but there's a, it's um. They show like like there's like a little dish with like the bobbles from Little Big Planet, the little those little bubble things. There's like coins, like different like video game references in there. They have some guy from Killzone. He's like, oh, Sub Sector Five or whatever. Like they have like all these references. I think Altier, one of the assassins characters, is like in the bar too. There's Kratos in the background somewhere. I think like, the commercial is called Michael. I think, but that was a really dope commercial. I love that commercial. I wish they would do more guerrilla style stuff. Well, it was live action, so it was live action, right? I wish they would do more guerrilla stuff, kind of like what they're doing right now. But like, imagine they did like an ape escape promotion, and there's like, and they have like monkeys in a zoo with helmets or something, <laughs> like something just like like can you put these, can you strap these helmets to these monkeys and like just like don't say anything, just like bring it up like in a random article or something, like like more out there kind of like maybe ha- you know how Oscar Mayer has a wiener mobile maybe you put like sweet tooth's can like ice cream truck on the LA highway somewhere just drive around it's sort of like the marketing marketing for uh uh what is it called uh ape um what's the film called the apes that come down planet of the apes planet of the apes they they had- where do they come down from <laughs> I forgot the story loop. I think we went to space and then we came back and oh. we realized it's actually Earth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but they had that marketing where there was a monkey that became intelligent and he was carrying around an AK-47. Remember that one? But where was that? What do you mean, where was it? What was the marketing for that? Like? Well, it was a commercial for, oh, commercial. Okay. for Planet of the Apes. Oh. But the commercial was saying like, hey, these monkeys... They didn't tell us necessarily that it was for Planet of the Apes, oh. but they showed a smart ape, and he had an AK, and he was holding it, and then he was, like, harassing the people that gave him the AK. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, and it's like, oh, we're going to get back to video games right now, tangentially related. I remember off of the 395, when you get off the 390, when you get off of uh, the I-15 to come to, like, where we live in Alonto, there was a billboard for the longest time, a billboard that was, like, very blurry. And then, like, every week, the billboard became less and less blurry. Like, they replaced the image with, like, more clear. Whoa. It's like, something's coming was one of the taglines. And then, like, the next week, it was, like, less blurry. Until eventually, it was just, like, a burger for Carlos Jr. But it was so cool because every week, they updated the billboard to, like, the big reveal. That's and, pretty neat. And I was like, ah, I don't, I don't really see that that often. Like, stuff like that. So, it made me think about it. But, um, anyways, Johnny. So, yeah, there's a lot of PlayStation weird promoting going on right now out there um sony use my use my idea about putting helmets on monkeys in the zoos around the world that'd be cool let's get into our first story johnny shall we let's go it says here xbox nintendo and sony won't be part of e3 2023 this comes from ign uh written by cat bailey who's a like one of their foremost jrpg experts says, E3's first physical event in four years was supposed to be a triumphant return for the trade show, an opportunity to recapture some of the excitement of past conventions, which historically have been major showcase events for the games industry. However, it appears that when E3 2023 hits the Los Angeles Convention Center in June, it will be without three of its most important draws, 
IGN has heard from multiple knowledgeable sources that Xbox, Sony, and Nintendo won't be part of E3 2023 or even have a presence on the Los Angeles Convention Center show floor. The information comes on the heels of Xbox announcement last week that it would be returning to Los Angeles for its annual summer showcase while declining to confirm whether it would be part of the show itself. Speaking with IGN last week, Xbox CEO Phil Spencer said the platform holder is timing its showcase with E3 at a moment, quote, convenient for press and even consumers, end quote, at the event, meaning it's likely to roughly align with the event itself. Spencer also stressed Xbox public support for E3 and Entertainment Software Association, or the ESA. However, IGN understands that Xbox won't have a booth on the show floor. Quote, E3 is just, to me, one of the seminal moments of gaming. I love the history of going down to LA, thousands of people there, getting to see great new things, getting to see people in the industry, the fan events that we've had. I definitely want that to continue, Spencer said. Xbox is on the board of the ESA, and I think a successful and healthy ESA is critical to what we're trying to go do. What we're trying to go do. So we place our showcase like we... Sorry. Call. <laughs> like we always have done at a time where hopefully it's convenient for press and even consumers that are going to the E3 event. And that's what we're trying to do now. We will continue to work with ESA in terms of their plans. As I said, we're on the board, and we want to make sure that we are doing everything we can to help make the... E3 successful. It sounds like a word salad to me, Johnny. Sounds like kind of like being around the bush. It says Xbox's current plans for the showcase remain unconfirmed, but in previous years, it has held a showcase preview events and press mixers. Internally, Xbox has recently suffered layoffs and other cuts, forcing it to tighten its belt following a year that saw virtually no major releases. Xbox's decision not to have a formal presence on E3's show floor comes as a surprise given its support for the event in the past. Out of the so-called Big Three, it appeared the most likely to be at E3, not the least because it has several major releases to promote in 2023, including Starfield. Nintendo has also traditionally maintained a booth on E3's show floor even after pioneering the Direct format. However, IGN has heard from sources around the industry that neither Nintendo nor Sony will be at E3 2023, with PlayStation originally dropping out in 2019 over reported disagreements with the ESA. It's current, currently unclear whether Nintendo and Sony intend to time a showcase with the event. Representatives from Nintendo, Sony, Xbox, and the ESA did not return requests for comment by press time. And that's pretty much it. All right, Johnny. I think I'll let you go first. What do you think about this? John? I'll let you go first. What do you think? I think we were all in consensus that E3 is kind of dead. Yeah. Right? Okay. That's kind of what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what are, what are they going to present? It's not what they're going to present. It's more of how are they going to present. Because in the digital age, we have... Okay, so in the, in the, E3 is very much a relic of the past. We kind of talked about this before, but like... I don't know if it was that, dude. It's just that they were charging a, a dick load of money. Yeah, they charge a lot. We, we've heard from like small, like smaller publishers and like studios that like it's very expensive to attend E3 because they charge your booths and like stuff like spaces like a lot of money. That said, E3 was a thing that was necessary in the past when, like, you know, studios and publishers couldn't do, like, their own, like, special little internet presentations. It was just, like, here's a big showcase. If you want attention, you're only going to get it if you go there. Nowadays, like, Nintendo has its directs. We have the state of play. We have Xbox's showcases. Like, they all have their own digital 
delivery system for like big news like two weeks ago we had the xbox one where they show like five different games or whatever like without feeling like the need to compete or like you know compete for time allotment or like a, a, a proper like you know moment to plug in the promotion compared to like nintendo and sony like they didn't have to like because it used to be at e3 would have like okay the first day is like xbox second day is like you know nintendo and playstation and the third day would be like you know they had to like schedule around each other but yeah. you don't really have to do that now you don't you don't have to compete with the other one with the other major players at the same event you can just do your own little thing online and like that's it that's all like people will still talk about it and you'll still control a lot of like like the mind share you don't have to compete directly so well, it's not just there mm-hmm. it's it's that they're um shit lost my train of thought um the games drop when they're ready right sure they don't they don't have to like put out a trailer that's not necessarily polished or like force their developers to come up with a demo just for a presentation yeah yeah they don't have i mean that game might not come out for who the fuck knows uh like the <coughs> fuck i'm losing my train of thought i'm sorry you get what I'm saying, though. They don't have to deliver a trailer until it's like really re- ready, until it's well crafted. Yeah, exactly. So it makes sense they're gonna do things on their own uh, terms. It's just cheaper, more effective. There is very little reason for them to really be there, just because like whenever Sony or Nintendo or Xbox talk, like people pay attention regardless of the format. So it's not necessary. I think now, if anything. Uh, and I've seen some smaller studios tweet this, that E3 now is just better networking for like the smaller players now because that's the only way they get attention is being public-facing at these events with other like part- potential partners like publishers. And like let's say you have a small game, you're trying to promote your small studio and you want EA as like a publishing partner. Like E3 is still beneficial for you because it gets your game and your like brand out there and before like the eyes of the other people and stuff. So that's a good point. But now we have days of play, right? I'm with so many people meet up in that with uh, Jeff Keighley. Oh, the summer, summer game fest. fest. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, there's other alternatives, I guess. But not everybody can like. There's so many small studios. Not everybody can get that that access to like games of play or uh, days of play or whatever the summer games fest. So like. There's all these avenues, which I think are cool, but you do kind of get the fatigue. I think last year I felt fatigued by how many different presentations there was where it's like, man, like it was easier when E3 was just one week. If you remember like last year, they spread it out over a couple summer months and the year before that too, like over the summer months. And it was just like, oh man. Uh, I just feel like E3 I saw, really I, I stopped, I just kind of stopped paying attention after a while. Like it was just so many events like to like read about it and like watch. So what were you saying, John? I'm sorry. Yeah, I just feel like E3, whatever that organization is, just feels so disconnected ESA. from from the internet, you know, from what consu- the way consumers take their content. Yeah, I think it's a bunch of ex- older executives and like, like, I mean, Microsoft right now, they mentioned it too, right? How they're on the board too, but there's probably other people there who are kind of just like, I don't know if they have boomer mentality or they're just not really, maybe shareholders who don't really pay attention to what they're like owning, maybe, could be. Yeah, So. yep. All right. Yeah, it sucks that they're not going to be there, especially now that E3 is doing the thing where, like, they're allowing the public to, like, get tickets to go. Like, I don't mind them not being at the show, but not having, like, a presence, like, on the show floor. Like, that kind of sucks. That would have been cool to see. I think they should really open it up to more, like, cosplay. I think they're trying to do that with the public days because they're doing the thing this year where, like, such and such day are for, like, the media and, like, business, and then such and such day are for, like, the public facing, like, you know regular gamers they should, they should have an event where it's 
yeah, you got some trailers, right? You got some indie games coming in. But then you have your cosplayers, and they also sell, like, a ton of merchandise. Yeah. I, I think that would be... They probably will do cosplay. I imagine cosplayers will just show up naturally on their own. That's just the thing that happens. Like, cosplayers are just going to show up on their own, whether or not that gets advertised, I think. That's true. So... All right, John, let's move on to our next article. Um, hold on. Let me. All right. Sorry about that. I had to check on something. Moving on, John, we go to our second article for today. It says Naughty Dog is done with Uncharted, but there's still so much potential with the series. Again, this also comes from IGN, written by Matt Kim. In an interview with BuzzFeed, Naughty Dog co-president Neil Druckmann confidently said the studio is, quote, moving on, end quote, from the Uncharted series, saying, Uncharted was insanely successful. Uncharted 4 was one of our best-selling games. And we're able to put our final brushstroke on that story and say that we are done, end quote. If Naughty Dog is done with the Uncharted series, they ended it about as perfect as they could have. After decades of exploring, Nathan Drake settles down with the love of his life and together with their daughter can enjoy peace and retirement. Only, why does it feel like there's a missed opportunity still? In the first Uncharted game, Nathan Drake was the charismatic treasure hunter with a joke on his tongue and a song in his heart. Drake's fortune was a perfect vehicle to showcase the PlayStation 3's graphical prowess, rendering incredible detailed jungles and providing exceptional shooting and seamless parkour. However, somewhere along the way, the gorgeous vistas and beautiful locales got sucked into the black hole of Nathan Drake's various midlife crises. <laughs> no location is better suited to contemplate your fear of settling down than the cathedral tucked away in the misty Scottish highlands. Once known for its epic platforming, Naughty Dog has become the standard bearer of character-driven storytelling, starting with The Last of Us and the darker, more character-focused Uncharted 4, which followed after. The studio further cemented its ability as world-class storytellers with the premiere of The Last of Us TV series on HBO, which is already being called one of the most successful video game adaptations of all time. As Naughty Dog became a more storytelling operation, the Uncharted series began zeroing in on Nathan Drake, the character, with his adventures across the world serving as a metaphor for the internal drama he was facing, whether it's his fear of loss, fear of his past, or fear for his future. It was bold, especially considering Nathan Drake's nickname when he was first introduced into the world, Dude Raider. <laughs> but in the same way, Temple of Doom is some people's favorite Indiana Jones movie because it's about the adventure and less about Indiana Jones, to me, Uncharted as a whole feels like a series comprised of three Last Crusades. The movie that explained that actually Indiana Jones' life was molded by a single childhood event as well as his relationship with his father. It doesn't help that the series broke new ground in the spin-off, Uncharted The Lost Legacy. The seemingly final Naughty Dog Uncharted game introduced a semi-open world that was fertile ground for all kinds of future adventures. The western ghats of India that Chloe and Nadine explore partway through Lost Legacy felt like a revolution at the time and could be utilized in any number of ancient temples, ruins, and more wonderful made-for-uncharted locations. Uh, it kind of talks more about uh, greatness of Uncharted, more about the beauty of the series. Uh, it says, if Naughty Dog has closed the book on Uncharted, it's because there are no more Nathan Drake stories to tell, even though there are still plenty of Uncharted stories that can be told. And that's the end of that article. Johnny, I, I kind of agree. I think Uncharted 4 is like the perfect end cap for the whole Nathan Drake story. But I do think like, a, a, just like how the article says, like there's still room for more uncharted stories in the uncharted universe that don't necessarily have to revolve around Nathan Drake. I haven't played, um, what was the one called? The one that with Nadine and Chloe, 
uh, the last one they just did. I, Lost Legacy. Yeah, I still haven't played that one. And I haven't played the Golden Abyss, the Vita one either. I have Lost Legacy. Wait, do I still have it? I think I do. You could play that if I had it. I might do that. But, um, yeah, I think, I thought, for some reason, I thought it was implied in Uncharted 4 that the series would continue with his daughter. I think they kind of tease that, but they don't really, like, hard confirm that. And it sounds like what, if what Neil Druckmann is saying, like, they're kind of just done with Uncharted. I guess... I don't know. I think we need to be okay with things just coming to an end, don't you think? Like, is it okay for... Like, not every IP has to continue to be milked and milked and milked and milked for years. That's not true. You don't think that's true? What do you, what's your consensus on... I mean, the only on... thing that matters is if they have a good story. That's it. It can continue as long as the story is great. Do you think any story that continues with Nathan Drake after 4 would make sense or be good? I'm okay with it. I think the only way they could up it up is like if something happened to his family, like either he lost them like permanently or if they got like kidnapped and then like, okay, I got to, you know, come out of retirement or something. I don't know. I feel like they're going to butcher it. Whoever ends up making it. Uh, It's, you know, it's kind of obvious that it's going to be Cassie Drake, uh, Nathan Drake's uh, daughter. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Kind of like the Atreus kind of Who can handle that game though? Because that game... On a technical level, is is amazing. So you feel like they will come back eventually, right? For yeah, charting? yeah, definitely. I I do think yeah, I do think this is like a for now kind of thing, like the next five six years maybe. I think maybe in a decade they might come back and like you know what, like now's the time to open the. Oh, it's not going to take a decade. Maybe reopen the tomb on Ethan Drake or something. I don't know, or just Uncharted in general. No, it won't take a decade. Is is, is Lost Legacy worth playing? I didn't play that one. It's fine. It's it's more Uncharted. It's just with Nadine and Chloe. It's shorter, right? It's not that short. It's oh. it's a beefy, uh, beefy game. Does it take place after four? Or I no? feel like it has more action. Uh, the banter between Nadine and Chloe is fun, except some a lot of people don't like Nadine because she's like the bad person. Is it Nadine? I forget because I get it confused with the girl in The Last of Us. Marlene. Marlene. There we go. No, Nadine. They said yes, Nadine. Nadine. So worth playing, okay? Yeah, definitely worth out. playing. Yeah, I may not have it because I I think I remember somebody broke into my car and they stole, they stole that. They stole the lost legacy. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. Kind of poetic in a way, but kind of because it's a it's a series about you know thieves and stuff. So it's kind of that's true. It's a little ironic, I think, but it's still messed up. It's still messed up. Yeah. How do you feel about that, though, Johnny? Like, do you want another Uncharted soon, or are you okay with the series like pausing in favor of like The Last of Us and other stuff? Well, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say it's top 10 games, right? Uncharted? Yeah, so if it doesn't come out for a while, I'm okay with it because there's so many games right now that are, I mean, you saw my list last time. It's 25 games, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm going to get those the first damn year that they come out. It's going to be a series of years until I get that collection. Some of those will drop off. Brand new games will jump into that list. So if, if it doesn't come out, I guess it just depends on what story they come out with, right? But I'm asking you, are you okay with the series taking a pause, or do you feel like they need to come back to Uncharted as soon as possible? Five years. And then like, you don't want to wait beyond that? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with waiting five years for it. If they announced it in two years, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad. Okay. Yeah, I think it's okay to take a break, just to, like, you know, let your creative juices kind of, like simmer and then come back and it's like bam like we got something really to tell you now or show you yeah but there's but there's games where if i feel like if they wait so long 
then they end up saying like, oh, this this game isn't like for this audience anymore. They don't care anymore, yeah. Yeah, so they're never going to end up developing it. Like we were talking earlier, what happened to to Rockstar's uh, Midnight Club, right? Mm, it's over 14 years since the last Midnight Club, LA. If they if they would have kept making them, it might have ended up like a uh, new for speed. Everybody everybody fucking buys a new for speed, right? Because it keeps mm-hmm. coming out year after year. Same thing with Call of Duty. Today, if they didn't make Call of Duty for the last eight to ten years, they might have been like, "Oh no, that game is early two thousands game. Nobody wants that game no more." So there's a, a certain period where you have to. I think everybody's always, people are always going to want Call of Duty. <laughs> That's just it's just expected. I think that's like an annual thing. Uh, I mean, maybe because um, there is Call of Duty fatigue every now and then, but like that's on an individual basis though, because you'll just kind of burn out on Call of Duty for like two years and then just jump back in, like okay, I miss it. It just depends on what the story is, because Call of Duty, part of the Call of Duty fatigue is they kind of tend to go back to the same stories. Am I right? The same time periods. Yeah, so it's like okay, okay of course. Like we don't need another World War Two one for a while. Trust me. We're yeah, good. and then and then when they pivoted to like space, people were pissed off. It's just like, hey guys, it's just one game. Like just enjoy this. They're gonna go back to whatever they were making eventually, anyways. Yeah. All right, let's get to our next article here. This one comes from Game Rant, written by Soren Pesu. I hope I say that right. The Last of Us Part 1 sees huge spike in sales following HBO show. The Last of Us Part 1, a modern remake of the critically acclaimed 2013 PS3 game, has seen a huge spike in sales following the release of the HBO series of the same name. The game, told by Naughty Dog and published by Sony, has seen a huge resurgence in popularity with the sales of The Last of Us Part 1, more than doubling in the past week. HBO's The Last of Us series debuted on January 15th this year and follows the story of Joel and Ellie as they try to survive in a post-apocalyptic America. Featuring fan-favorite actors such as Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal in the main roles, the series has so far been praised for its strong writing, acting, and visuals, and has been a hit with fans of the game. With the series now airing, many nostalgic viewers have gone back to the game to relive the story of Joel and Ellie. According to GameIndustry.biz, the box copies of The Last of Us Part 1 have seen a 238% increase in week-on-week sales in the United Kingdom, the Last of Us Remastered on PlayStation 4 has also seen a 322% boost in sales. The gamer, the game, some gets right, gamers. The games are also enjoying a similar amount of success in the United States, as Amazon's top two best-selling PS4 games are The Last of Us Part 2 and The Last of Us Remastered, managing to outperform many other highly successful games such as FIFA 23 or even God of War Ragnarok. The Last of Us has been praised for its gripping story, intense action, and emotional moments. Has won numerous awards, including multiple Game of the Year's awards, and is widely considered to be one of the best games of the last decade. Which they with the HBO series now airing, more people are discovering the game, and it looks like The Last of Us's award-winning narrative is set to become even more popular. HBO's Last of Us series is expected to have nine episodes and is shaping up to be one of the most acclaimed video game adaptations of all time, which will hopefully open the door in the future for other similar projects. After all, it's refreshing to see a video game adaptation that is treated with care and respect for the original source material. That's the end of the article. Johnny, this isn't that surprising. Um, we've seen this multiple times before with The Witcher Netflix series. Whenever like it airs or a new season comes out, uh, copies of sold of The Witcher three like spike every time a new season comes out. Yeah, same thing with uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Yeah, saw something similar where. Uh, massive i think it was a higher percentage though for cyberpunk when edge runners came out i think 
that game solved more than 200%. Like, I don't get how that series had that much reach to what? impact the sales of the game like it did. You have to remember, these are percentage percentages. So, like, a game doesn't have to necessarily be selling a lot to have a 100%. Like, if a game sells five copies in a week and it sells 10 copies the next week, that's a 100% increase, right? Yeah, it sounds right. like a lot. Yeah. But when you think about it, it's probably really not that. It sounds more drastic than what it really is. Yeah, well, Blade Runner had sold a lot. Means, I mean, uh, Cyberpunk had sold a lot. <laughs> they do have similar settings. I get you. So, well, Cyberpunk, yeah. Cyber, I think, I think Edge Runners pushed like the show, the game to get like um, I forgot what milestone it reached, but like, it was like something that the, that the developer CD Projekt Red was like tweeting out about, like, oh wow, like we just made like another like sales threshold we just broke or something like that, because the show complimented it. And we kind of, I, I was talking about this with you like I think a while back about how. Not because before the last before the HBO last last of the show came out, but that we're gonna see this a lot where they have this symbiosis thing where we're gonna see more video game adaptations of TV shows and movies, which are gonna feed into the video game sales, which are the video game sales are gonna feed into the audience for the shows or the adaptations. Where like they kind of have this circling symbiotic relationship, where if you I don't know if you've been paying attention, but for every single consecutive episode. For The Last of Us, the show, which has only been four episodes so far, viewership jumps each week for the new episode like 10 or 15%. Mm-hmm. And then if that's in line with the video games, and like it's kind of like a self, like a loop, a self feeding kind of loop thing where people are interested in the show because of the game. Game, right? Gamers, we're inter- I'm interested in the show because of the game, right? And so that gets my eyes to watch the HBO series, which adds, you know, makes money for HBO. And then vice versa, right? HBO viewerships who are new to it, who are being presented with the story of Joel and Ellie the first time. It's cross-pollination. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. I guess you could say that. It, go, it feeds back into the games. And I think because as video games become more expensive, more, you know, take longer to make and stuff, like we're going to see way more of this supplemental kind of secondary sort of like projects kind of thing with, um, I mean, we Sony has, right? We has like, a billion, what not? I'm exaggerating, of course. Ghost of Tsushima, Ghost, Horizon, Ragnarok, Gran Turismo. The trailer just yeah, came out for that. I'm excited for that one. Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo, Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, not PlayStation affiliated, but I keep thinking of it because it's not I in my I think they even have a Returnal. I haven't heard about I that I think one. I've heard of that one. I haven't heard about that one, but like, uh, uh, what you call it? It's not PlayStation affiliated, but in my head it is a Metal Gear Solid movie. Oh man, I want to see a stray movie. I like. I want to see a kids show with Astrobot. I think that'd be cute. Yeah, that'd be cool too. Or like Sackboy, or something like uh, that. Not Sackboy. Uh, I'm done with Sackboy. Oh, uh, okay. Let's go with Astrobots. But as, as we see, like this kind of self—not I wouldn't say self-fulfilling prophecy, but more like this self-feeding loop, this Ouroboros kind of snake eating its tail kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. we're gonna keep seeing. Like this is gonna. This is gonna be the monetary policy going forward. Not DLC. Not, you know, loot crates. Like, this is going to be, like, the side hustle slash moneymaker for a lot of these games, I think. Okay, so there's an interesting part here. Of course, it depends on what direction they take. And there's a direction I really don't like. Like, making that an adaptation, the the show for The Last of Us, that's cool, right? They do parallel scenes. That's great. You So... You can watch the show and you're good. You could watch, you could play the game and you're good. Mm-hmm. But then they try to do this shit where I I dislike 
uh, like Tomb Raider, they're talking about a Tomb Raider verse, right? Oh yeah, we're talking about that on on Instagram the other day, yeah. And I really don't like the way they're presenting this thing because they're saying, hey, the show is gonna tie in with the game, and I'm like, the game takes so long to fucking develop. How are you gonna tie it in with the show? Like, that's a similar issue people are taking up with uh, James Gunn doing the DC thing, uh-huh. because he wants to do the same thing where all DC games are related to like. No, I can't stand that shit. How's like, oh, we're going to try to have the voice act, like the actors do the voice acting in the games as well. Like, so it's all related. Well, the voice acting is cool, but the storylines, they, they That's can. what some people, yeah. Other people online have commenters have made like the comment. It's like video game production takes way too long to also like keep up with like film production and like all mm-hmm. this other stuff that like, there's no way you can sync that all together. So it's all like har- harmonious or whatever. Yeah. And then you have a, you have somebody creating the game and then an entirely different person creating the show. And it's like, what do you mean? You guys are... The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't like this at all, dude. And that's what, what it seems like they're doing with Tomb Raider. Well, you have to remember... Okay. Yeah, I was going to go into the DC thing. But I think, yeah, for Tomb Raider, I think that's harder to do. Because they want to do, like, a show. They want to do a movie. They want to do, like, the video games. And it's like... Like, how... You're going to have three different Lara Crofts, essentially. Even if you try to make them all be the same Lara Croft, like, it, it's hard to keep two sustain that much like disbelief i think for like like okay so like what happens in the movie ha- like is real is like reference in the game and that's reference in the show or, like it is it's definitely a production nightmare i think trying to yeah the logistics of it is is absurd but you understand that like that's how you keep people you keep the money in your system right in your ecosystem is like People want it's like kind of like what Marvel was doing with like the TV shows, like Agents of Shield and all this stuff. We're like, oh man, I gotta keep up with the show because if I want to know what's with the MCU, right? No, but that can backfire too. I was about to give you this example with Marvel where people were watching um, the Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. And then they tell you, like, hey, if you want to keep up with what's going on in the films, you have to watch the show. Yeah. And then a lot of people that were just watching the, the films, when we got a. Uh, uh, Wanda Vision. Mm-hmm. People were pissed off because they they saw an Avengers film, and then they saw another film that was Marvel. But they were like, "When the fuck did Wanda become evil?" Right? Mm-hmm. There was a a this whole storyline just completely missing because you maybe they don't want to sign up to Disney Plus, right? Sure. So <clears throat> I I this is stupid to me. Like they they can make their one off stories, but to have them like completely parallel, like uh, it's it's not gonna work. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, do you have I'll, a rebuttal for that? Like, no, what? I think it's funny is I know exactly what you're talking about because I've lately I've been watching this YouTube reactor, uh, Popcorn in Bed. That's what she goes. That's what she calls herself. And because I, I I love watching her Rocky reaction. She watched all the Rocky movies. She watched all the Star Wars movies, and she's like she like you see her fall in love with those franchises throughout the course of, as she reacts to the movies and stuff. But she did the thing you're talking about where she watched the Marvel films and then she decided to go back to the shows afterwards. And she, like, when we get to Multiverse of Madness, she was so confused. She's like, she's like, wait, she's like, why is Wanda, like you said, why is she evil all of a sudden? Yeah. And then so I watched her reactions to WandaVision later on. And then she's like, oh, this is what happened. So this is, oh, like, because she's like, where did these kids come from that she claims to have these kids? And she, because she didn't watch WandaVision in, in the right order. Yeah. I mean, we get it because, because of comics and well, cartoons. We're just not, not, not casual fans either. So no, no, but they, but there's people that are you don't keep e- up even if you're a fan like you have kids you got a wife whatever like you can't possibly keep with every single thing that comes out right sure so 
same point. I, I don't think it's gonna it's gonna pan out. I don't think yeah, I don't think this works for every single video game, obviously. Like no one's gonna give a damn about a Pac-Man movie, which they are making they're making a Pac-Man movie. I can't believe it, but like no one's gonna care, like, oh, is Pac-Man do I have to play Pac-Man to get the Pac-Man movie? It's like, no, nah, like you're gonna be fine. There's no there's there's no carryover like knowledge you need really. Now there's some games where it could work, but it's still not the same storyline. Like they can do this with Call of Duty. They can have the show sure. and they can have the game. The games for Because Call those of Duty, are so loosely, like even within the universe, like there's like so many like discrepancies between the games anyway, so it's not Yeah, exactly. Or like Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars has done it pretty well, I think. I love how they have the shows and the movies together. There's no games that really tie into it, at least other than like, I guess, Fallen Order somewhere. No, but Star Wars really is filler. Like when you see the shows, it really is filler lore. Yeah, because that's almost nothing to do with the main line movies. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't change the character on you when you're like, when the fuck are they become evil? Like when did they get this power? When did? Yeah, that's right? true. Because Tomb Raider would have to be about Laura Croft. You can't do Tomb Raider without Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point uh so yeah uh we we've seen a lot of this kind of stuff where like the movie helps the game the game helps the movie so on and so forth um so good for the last of us johnny you need to watch the show it's so good I keep telling you it's so good so you need to watch it um oh the next episode comes out this friday because which Super is the next one episode five yeah what what part in the game is it uh mini spoilers it's they're already dealing with the um, we already had that moment, like from the game, where Ellie saves Joel and he finally gives her a gun. Mm-hmm. We had that moment this episode, this past one. Oh, there's no tease for the next one. There is a tease, but it kind of it's the whole Sam and Henry thing. Yeah, but that, that already came out. I'm trying to remember in the game what happens after Joel is saved. Um, I don't remember because there's oh, fuck. How many episodes? We're like on five, and you still need four more after that. You still need four more, and I'm trying to cram like the last of the game in that section. So there's the Tommy section, right? Yeah, and we haven't seen his brother yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's the, all that Tommy stuff, and then there's the last portion where we got the fucking the creeper dude in the game. Yeah, I think that's probably gonna be like the second to second the last, to last episode. That's I think what I'm it has to because be because the last portion is gonna have to be not Nadine, but what's her and name? also Nadine. I'll tell you right now the lengths of these episodes are not consistent. Like this last one that just came out this past Sunday, I think was like fifty minutes. Yeah, and like some of them are an hour five, an hour ten. The longest was the first one at an hour and a half. So if they want to fit all the other stuff, I think the other episodes are gonna have to be a little bit longer, or they're gonna have to find like a way to make. I could see them doing. The I forget the guy's name. The one you're talking about, the creepy guy. Like, I could see them being that. I could see that being a longer episode because it would have to be. I think, and the last episode would have to be probably like uh, an hour. I think you could squeeze the, all that stuff that happens with the hospital like in an hour. Yeah, but also in the very last episode for the show, at least they might try to creep in the last of us part two. Oh yeah, like a little cameo or like a reference or like uh, somebody witnessing something kind of thing. Somebody's like out there golfing or something. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're talking about. I, I would love to see that. Um, but I don't know if they would have put that scene because at the time they did not confirm that season two was happening. Unless well, it's just an Easter egg. It could just be like No, a, they'll, they'll throw in a hint for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next one, Johnny. This one comes from Forbes. Yes. That Forbes. The rich magazine, rich website. It's 32 million PS5 sales to how many Xbox sales exactly? That's not me poking fun. That's the name of the article. Written by Paul Tassi, who's like their big video game guy at Forbes. It says, Sony just released results of a blockbuster quarter for the PS5. 
Now that supply has finally been boosted and they can start producing units at a reasonable clip. The headline is that PS5 sales have now to 32 million with 7.1 million consoles sold in the last three months alone. A dramatic increase over the 3.9 million sold in the same year last year. The early supply shortages, however, have indeed hamstrung the PS5 to this day, as even with this new surge, the PS5 is still lagging behind PS4 sales, which hits, hit 37 million units by this period in its lifespan a generation ago. In terms of its competition, Nintendo Switch may be two generations worth of power behind Microsoft and Sony now, but it's continued to sell like crazy, and the last report is 114.33 million units sold since 2017, even as fans are hoping a new model is coming out in the next year or two. Microsoft is... Dot, dot, dot. A more complicated story. Microsoft has tried to downplay sales of the Xbox since last generation when it was clear they were losing to the PS4 by around a 2 to 1 sales margin. And they said they would not release exact sales figures for P Xbox units anymore. That generation currently stands at 117 million PS4s to an estimate of anywhere from 51 to 58 million Xbox Ones sold based on analyst guessing. The failure to report unit sales has continued into this current generation where Microsoft is more likely to report Xbox Game Pass subscriber numbers instead, which it views as just as valuable, if not more so, than actual console sales. The best we can tell from current outside estimates is that the Xbox Series X and S are not being outsold by the PS5 by quite the same 2 to 1 margin as last generation, but they are also likely to still be lagging significantly behind. With 32 million PS5 sales, current estimates put Xbox S and S sales at maybe around 20 million units. So two things are true. The Xbox Series XS has been better received and is generally performing better than the Xbox One at launch. But Sony's lead is so vast that it's just not going to catch up to them for a close generation like we saw with the PS3 and the Xbox 360, where the PS3 eventually surpassed uh, the 360 from by with 87 million to compare to the 84 million. Those days may be past. Of course, Microsoft does have Xbox Game Pass with over 25 million subscribers, a valuable part of its arsenal. It's also at least partially a contributor to lower console sales, given that many Xbox games can be played by console-free access to Game Pass on places like PC, like me, or increasingly mobile with Xbox Cloud Gaming. Part of me has to think that things are only this close because of the unprecedented short supply of PS5, however. While yes, both consoles suffered them, with unlimited supply meeting demand, I have to believe that the PS5 would be miles ahead of even the PS4's old pace here, and that supposed 10 to 12 million gap between Xbox and PlayStation that exists now may continue to just widen and widen over time. But that can never be actually confirmed because Microsoft won't play that game. Meaning, like, Microsoft will never release the sales figures. So, that's the end of that article, Johnny. Um, I, I This is no surprise. I think, I mean, I figured this would be the issue with PS5 and the, the what do you call it, the dirt, dirt, dearth, or girth, not girth, the... The um, disparity disparity between PS thank you between PS5 sales and Xbox Series XS. I think Microsoft kind of did that on their own, where they kind of touted that you can't have Game Pass without an Xbox. Like they kind of that's a huge part of their marketing is like we don't care about consoles. Right? They've told us that they told us that many oh, times. Yeah. Like we don't care about console sales. We want people to join Game Pass. Like that's the subscription model is the money maker. Yeah, and if you think about it, there is some sense to that because. 
for example, when in past generations, uh, for those who don't know, hardware manufacturers like Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox, you lose money on each system you sell up to a certain point. So you lose money. Usually you use money the first two to three years and then you make your money back on software sales. So that's video game sales, right? Because every whenever a video game sells on your platform, even if it's not a first party game, like if it's like Call of Duty or whatever, if it sells on your platform, you get a portion of that software sale, right? So most in the past, like PS4, PS3 could be sold at a loss because they would eventually get that money back from software sales, yada, yada, yada. Here, Microsoft's doing an interesting thing where uh, with Xbox, we're like, they're not selling that many units and therefore they're probably not manufacturing that many units and therefore they're probably not losing that much of a hit on the consoles that they're not making. You get what I'm saying? You follow me? So their money is fo- solely focused on software, which is kind of like, um, I would consider this ha- being like a dividends kind of focus mentality where you're not really focused on like not, you know, getting your immediate value right away. You're thinking long-term of like, passive income in a certain to a certain degree it's not passive income you have to work obviously but like that's kind of the xbox model now these days where game pass subscription numbers are like the article mentions like that's the key thing for them right like they get residuals they get certain amount of money for every everybody who plays and of course of course they're, they're they're offering money to these developers to put their games on xbox on game pass of course like they are paying for this and that's why a lot of people say like Game Pass isn't sustainable because, like, how much are you guys playing, paying for people to join your network, your, your, you know, your um, uh, ecosystem? ecosystem. I'm gonna say economic system, ecosystem. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. So now we're in this position, position now where it seems like they have so many Game Pass, Game Pass uh, members like signed on, where they could finally actually be turning a profit finally on this whole like model. Because I'll tell you right now, like. I play a lot on Game Pass now when I'm not playing my PlayStation. And sometimes when I'm not playing Game Pass on there, like I'll sometimes maybe go like a month or something. And like they just automatically get my subscription for that month. Cause I'll forget about it sometimes. Yeah. So, and there's enough games on there to keep you engaged where like you keep, they, they rotate old games and new games, old games and new games. Like there was enough to keep you engaged if you really cared to try like beyond your comfort zone. I'll talk about that later when we talk about what we've been playing on because I have a game I've been playing on on Game Pass. So, um, Johnny, do you have anything to chime in? Do you have anything you want to throw in or conjecture with? Or no, man, I'm just I'm just constantly thinking about what cards are they like holding to their chest, right? Because Sony keeps saying that they're not going to pursue this Game Pass model, and then Xbox says that Sony is not a competitor, and it's like it's sort of like they're not even on the same. It's, it's like they're not playing the same game, right? Like uh, not, Xbox yeah. is, is playing this Netflix game. Sure. And then PlayStation is like, we want fucking hardware sales and we want exclusives. They're playing They're playing the OG way, the original, the old school way. Yeah, I just wonder, like, what are they really thinking? Like, what's really in the background and who who's really going to win? If Is there even a winner to this, right? Like, if, next, if Xbox is doing the uh, Netflix thing, can they coexist, you know? I think it can. I think so. I yep. think so because it's it's like asking the kind of NFL and the MLB coexist. They're both sports, but like they're not competing in the same way because they're completely different sports, right? Well, so- the metrics what they consider like a good like viewership audience for like a weekend game is going to vary. Like I think the NFL requires way more people to watch to be like successful 
But do then, they play on the same days? I think sometimes they do. Do they? Play well, on- no, no, no. They play at different seasons, so they play at different part times of the year. Right. I don't think you really have. I think sometimes there is overlap, but I don't think like you're you're not having the World Series, you know, around the same time as the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I think with that example, they they're both like different timelines. So sure, so it works. But you can equate different timelines to being different audiences too. I think like I mean. I play like we've talked about this. PlayStation is like the HBO of the video games. Yes, that's a good example. Nintendo is the Disney of video games, and Xbox is kind of just everything else. I think uh, I can't think of a proper I, for the Fox, cable. CNN, cable, CNN. Sure, yeah. we'll go with CNN for that matter. So like they each have a different target audience. Like I play exclusives on PlayStation, but if something is coming to Game Pass, I'm gonna play it on Game Pass. Over, you know, if it's coming to Game Pass day one. There's no sense in me playing that same game on PlayStation. I mean, you're saying they could coexist, but is there some point where Xbox can't make it if they're not on PlayStation, if the Game Pass isn't on PlayStation? No, because they are attached to Microsoft, which is a behemoth of a corporation. Oh, in that sense. But if if Xbox begins to fail, like Microsoft will just boot their ass, right? I think during a... The last uh, iteration of Xbox, Xbox, Xbox was like in dire straits. They were thinking about getting rid of that shit. I don't know if that was true that they were thinking about getting nah, rid of it. I read that. Oh, okay. At some point, that they were like, "We fuck this shit." That's I th- probably why I, they I came think up that... with Game Pass. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> I do think they kind of gave up on that generation. Okay. I think towards the end. Like mm-hmm. around 2013, 20... No, I'm sorry. Around like 26... That's way too soon. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got confused. Around like 2017, around there, I think they kind of started kind of like half-assing it. Uh-huh. But I I do think... Because Xbox has its diehards, just like how PlayStation has its diehards. There's people... I know people who are like, oh, the Xbox controller is just so much better. Like, I'll always play on Xbox, right? I, yeah. I don't know if your brother is that way. But I know some people who are just like... Like, they like the offset analog joysticks or whatever like that's their thing no like we said i like symmetry on my yeah me controller. too me too me too i'm the same way but i do know people i do I'm saying, what i'm saying is i do know there's people out there who do like who like the xbox ecosystem they love their halo they love their gears they love their grand and i know like those games aren't doing so great right now but there's people who just are locked into that ecosystem uh because that's where their achievements are that's where their friend list are there's so many different reasons why they're just tied to that console but where is the fatigue for that? Because if we're doing the Netflix thing, we talk about this all the time. Like, are you tired of Netflix? Like, tired of what they're putting out? Yeah, my bad. Are you are they are you tired of what Netflix puts out and you're just kind of waiting for the, like that one major show to drop, right? Like a lot of people really like uh, Stranger Things, right? Or they like Narcos. If those shows don't exist, are they really gonna keep their their subscription? Because I don't uh, we'll, know. We'll get into it later, but like, sure. uh, um, Halo is not doing well right now. Are people sticking around just waiting for the Halo updates? And if they're not getting updates from that, like, what's the point where they're like, oh, I'm done with this? Like, I'll just Sony has the same games. I just got to pay uh, an equivalent amount, right? If I'm like frugal, I can get those same games. Maybe I just got to wait a little bit longer, and they get those damn big ass exclusives. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just, I just do think it's just a different audience because I hear a lot of people talk. About, I know people on the Xbox side who like look at some of the PlayStation exclusives and are like, they find them boring because they're so story heavy. Like, I, it sounds absurd, but there's people who are like, I don't want all that in my game. Like, I want to play with my friends. We're playing multiplayer games. Like, 
it seems foreign to us, to you and I, but there is people out there who just have that brand loyalty for Microsoft, who just like achievements, who they're just tied into that network, even as absurd as it seems to us. Like, it really is. I, I hear that, but I also hear a lot of YouTubers say, like, yeah, I used to be that fan of Xbox, and I didn't want to touch a Sony game. And then I touched the Sony game, and I'm a fucking believer. Sure. I hear that often dude but then there's also the reverse like i i've like i've never touched xbox before that wasn't my thing and now i'm like way more open I, i'm i played i got game pass and i played like the first two halo games for the first time ever last year and i was like i get it like i kind of get what i think the reason for that though is because the price of entry was so cheap yes you paid of course 15 bucks and you're like all right whatever i'll try it out yeah let me find just, out why this just is just a, a... an expensive hamburger i'll, I'll try it mm-hmm. you're not investing into a whole a whole ass console and a 70 dollar game that sounds good Hyper sounds good right now. Yeah, so I guess we could keep going on on this shit, but let's. I think we should move on to the next story. But yeah, I think yeah, where you said is right that Xbox is doing the Netflix thing, and PlayStation is doing the HBO thing, and Nintendo's doing the Disney thing. There's more than one way to be successful, I think, depending on what you define your margin for success to be. So. I think, again, I'm always for competition. I like there being more players in the field. I think three. I think three is a right is a good amount right now. There's no room for like a Sega or like your Google Stadia or your Amazon Luna or whatever the other ones were. Like three is like the perfect balance. It's like it's like the branches of government. You have your judicial, <laughs> your legislative, and your executive. Like we're good with three. It's your rock paper scissors, so to speak. There's no rock paper scissors stapler or something. You know what I mean? Like so. I think all three, because they have different methods, they have different target audiences. I think they can coexist and all be successful. Although one, of course, will be more successful than the rest. And that, of course, is Nintendo because they make the most money out of anybody. So, what? yeah. Their games sell way. Dude, we just talked about how Pokemon broke like every single record. That's one game, though. And then like Mario Kart 8 has sold like, what, like, 30 million copies on switch like more than any other game on like playstation like yeah but that's just like a handful of games um are you talking you're not talking about the whole industry right i'm talking about this generation nintendo switch just dominates everything sales hardware and sales because I've, I've given you stats and they were like way higher like playstation was was way ahead of the competition that included like tencent and all that no we're, okay you're talking about total like holdings though I'm talking about just sales, like just software sales. Okay. I think you're talking about total, like across all divisions, everything combined. For PlayStation? Yeah. Okay, I'll leave that one there. Okay. Yeah, because they do own more IP. Yeah, PlayStation has more IP, I would say, than probably maybe Nintendo. I think. I don't know for sure. Actually, you know what? I want to walk that back. I I actually don't think that's true. I might be wrong. I think PlayStation is utilizing more of its IP, I think. That's a better way of saying it, I think. Anyways, we're not going to get to that right now. Let's move on to our final story, Johnny, shall we? No. I was waiting for your confirmation. Good. All right. This comes from Bloomberg, the other finance website besides Forbes. Uh, written by this article says, Microsoft Studio behind Halo faces a reboot on years of turmoil. Written by Jason Schreier. Oh, you know Jason Schreier. The former Kotaku... A uh, journalist who likes to block everybody <laughs> says, uh, wait a minute. Oh, no, Johnny, it's paywalled. Damn you, Bloomberg. Well, you don't have to read it. Just how do you feel about it? 
I don't. I can't. If I don't know how to feel about it, I can't read. If I don't can't read it, I don't know how to feel about it. Hold on. I'm gonna put like the little Indian head thing where it's like, uh, please stand by. Mm-hmm. All right. My bad. I forgot that Bloomberg is a uh, paywalled. Um, so we went to IGN for like for basically the similar story. It says Halo Infinite reportedly scrapped news story content amid studio shakeup. Uh, this one not written by Jason Schreier but by Logan Plant. Says Halo is reportedly staying at 343 Industries, but the franchise's direction is unclear amidst layoffs and a pivot away from Halo's slip space engine. In a report from Bloomberg, which we couldn't read, Jason Schreier, the studio's leadership overhaul, mass layoffs, and other big changes are causing 343 to essentially hit the reset button on the franchise. The report also claims that at least 95 people were laid off from 343 as part of this month's mass layoffs at Microsoft. And that 343 was not working on new missions for Halo Infinite Story over the last year. After the layoffs, rumors started circulating claiming that Microsoft could pass Halo development to another studio entirely. According to today's report, Halo is staying put despite concerns over the studio's ability to develop new Halo games after the big hit to the staff. The report lines up with 343's statement that Halo and Master Chief are here to stay, and Phil Spencer saying that 343 remains critically important to the success of Halo. According to the report, Matt Booty, that booty, head of Xbox Game Studios, has assured 343's staff that they're still in charge even as the studio works with outside partners. It says, however, it would seem that big changes are still in store for the franchise, namely, Halo is said to be pivoting to Unreal Engine, leaving the controversial Slipspace engine behind. Development challenges posed by Slipspace are reportedly holding back two infinite multiplayer modes that are nearly finished, Extraction and Assault. The reports of the engine swap come after years of rumors surrounding 343, Slip Space, and Unreal Engine. The pivot will reportedly begin with the Halo project codenamed Tatanka. Tatanka? Tatanaka? Tatanka? Oh, I think it's Tatanka, which has been rumored for quite some time. This game is in code development at 343, Instant Infinity, and began as a Halo Battle Royale. But the game may now evolve in different directions. Future Halo games will also explore using Unreal Engine. 343 isn't preparing any additional story content for Halo Infinite's campaign, the report claims. Rather, developers have spent the last year working on Unreal Engine prototypes while pitching ideas for new Halo games. Many of the developers working on these projects were laid off this month, as 343 isn't actively working on any new story content. After strong initial reception for Infinite's fresh campaign and free-to-play multiplayer, things took a turn for the worse. Fans push back against Infinite's controversial multiplayer progression system as lengthy delays to long-awaited features soured public opinion on the game. For now, Halo players are waiting for the launch of Season 3, Echoes Within, this March. Alright, Johnny. You and I are not Halo experts. I I barely played Halo Reach and Halo 1 last year. Um... I didn't know the name of the engine they were using was called Slip Space. I didn't even know that they had a proprietary engine. Uh, switching to Unreal Engine makes sense, as I understand that Unreal Engine is actually very creator user friendly to use. Of course, the problem with that is when you're using another engine that's not your own, you do have to pay royalties on that, which kind of sucks. Because um, until you hit a million, until yeah, well, I mean, Halo is going to easily hit that threshold easily. Yeah. So when you when you kind of license another engine that's not your own, you do have to share profit revenue with that engine with that engine holder, which which is unreal basically. That kind of sucks, but I think in this case it's worth it 
if if this slip space engine is so controversial or so tricky it makes sense to use something else that's more user like that's gonna get you results faster even if you do have to pay for it i think so um i don't know much more about halo infinite i i know they were adding like content like every season or every like few months or whatever since the game launched what over a year ago no last year yeah well they're having a they were having a ton of problems and then more recently i i was listening to some youtubers saying they just started to get it down like the combat was falling right they just wanted more updates they wanted more maps and now we get this news right here Mm -hmm. uh it's great that they're moving on to unreal engine 5 but it's gonna take a minute right you have to transition all those creators to that new engine yeah it's not just a copy paste kind of thing and, so, they, and they mentioned in the article that they've been messing around with like prototypes and stuff to kind of get acclimated to it yeah I, I wonder how long it's gonna take them is it gonna take them maybe a year or what's gonna happen to to halo in the meantime to me it just feels like shit just just scrap the fucking thing leave it as is right just maintain and maintain <coughs> the servers obviously get rid of like bugs or whatever Mm-hmm. but I mean you kind of just have to scrap this current halo like how are they going to do this how are they going to make this transition yeah it sounds like they're basically done with infinite at this point I think they're just going to just cut their losses and just like you know kind of like what we talked about with like the generations right like, like cut your losses like realize you're not going to make it better and just focus like okay instead we shouldn't focus on what's already came out let's focus on how we get the next iteration down correctly right for the most part. Yeah. This was supposed to be a 10-year project. Did they Remember say that? that? Yeah. I Halo forgot. It was supposed to be a 10-year online live service game for 10 years. I didn't know that. Or if I did, I just forgot it then. Um, and that, I'm sure you heard about it. I, I It does sound familiar. Now that you say it, it does sound familiar. Um, it kind of sucks. I feel bad for all the people who got fired who were like started on projects and then were like, oh, I'm just going to let you go. Um, this is what this is the reason I brought up the whole Netflix thing. Like, what would happen if Halo just begins to collapse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same here. I, I just feel bad for bad for the creators, bad for the people on Xbox that really love this game. Uh, I think the next big thing is gonna be a uh, Forza, and then I, I don't know what other exclusive Xbox is gonna fucking give birth to give birth to That's they have a thing. redfall at least right true true we have redfall i got starfield thank god around the corner uh, oh man we were gone for a minute like we were gone two weeks didn't we have a showcase for this we had a showcase for redfall yes there was a showcase for redfall there was a showcase for the game that i've been playing hi-fi rush which also came out that exact same day uh there was a showcase for like two other games oh it was a minecraft one of them was minecraft i think oh yeah People are hating on that game. And I'm forgetting what the other one was. There was one more. There was supposed to be four. We mentioned three of them. Do you remember what the other one was or no? No, since we're already... Since this is the last article, I just want to get on to, like, uh, what have you been playing? All right. I, but actually, about this presentation, I saw the Red Frog, Red Frog presentation. You saw it too, right? I saw parts of it. I didn't watch the... Red, I was building... Than the model kit as I was listening. I, I wasn't watching Redfall because okay. I have no interest in it. So, so a lot of people are excited because, of course, it's it's a new shooter for Xbox. Um, there's a variety of, of uh, guns in it. I thought that was interesting, right? I mean, as it should. It, it looks like it meets the bare minimum for what a game should have. Mm-hmm. The polish seems okay. 
when you go through the uh well somebody else is playing it but when they went through a lot of the spaces the spaces felt very empty i heard that i heard that was a complaint that some people had. okay good so it just wasn't me the spaces don't feel like they're lived in. You just walk into a room and then you like see a ladder on the wall, one piece of furniture there. It's like very like liminal spaces. It's very lackluster. It, mm-hmm. There's no um, uh, storytelling in the environment. You know, environmental storytelling. Like there's nothing where you really see like, oh, there was a guy dragged here before I got here, right? There's blood smeared on the walls and etc. You don't see a whole lot of that. So the space looks empty. Uh, the combat looks okay it looks pretty fluid the enemies look pretty lifeless to me and then they're like zombie monsters or something right yeah like little vampires yeah i'm sorry you're right vampires it's vampires yeah yeah and i think i think what kind of what kind of put the nail in the coffin in this game for me is at the very end of it i was like you know what this just feels like this feels like a vampire game but in Fortnite, I was like, it ah. does have that aesthetic. I uh-huh. think I, even the title card for the game Redfall, like we see like the character, the playable characters. Yeah. They look like a, a Fortnite ensemble, like character skins. I think part of the reason it, it looks like Fortnite is because a lot of the stuff isn't uh, not that it's low resolution, but there's a lot of textures missing. Like you see the characters and you're like that. There's no they're very interesting like, pattern. They're very like Gumby looking. Yeah, that's that's a good description. Uh, a lot of a lot of there's not a whole lot going on the walls and the floors. The guns they're like they look very plain, like they're just all painted matte a matte color, right? Okay. So I I don't I have no idea how that game's gonna perform, but I feel like it's well. There's a lot of hype behind it. I know a lot of people who are excited for that game. It's not even on my radar, but I know a lot of people who are like, oh, like like that's gonna be the game or something. I'm like, okay, no way. We'll see. We'll see. I guess. I think Starfield's gonna be that for me though. I think um, no you know, way. you know, I love Bethesda games. I love give me an open, uh, give me a rich open world to explore. Let me customize my character and go out and do quests and do all sorts of stuff and give me moral choices and factions to join. But and, I think that's for you. I'm making an assumption. I feel like that's the only reason because it's a Bethesda game. You're not even into sci-fi. You're like, oh, Bethesda has a new game. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll give it a try. Well, Fallout is sci-fi technically. Fallout? Fallout is very sci-fi. It's like post-apocalyptic. Yeah, but I'm saying like you're not that much into it. Like, like space stuff? You're it's... more into it because it's Bethesda. Yeah, of course. That yeah. name carries a lot of weight for me. Yeah, but like I've always meant, I've always said like Bethesda Will you play Starfield out... when I get it? Are you going to play it too? I, I mean, whatever you get, I'll give it I'll give it a try. I give it a try. It's that... first person, you know. <sighs> yeah. Oh my god. I, I gotta I gotta throw this in here. Alright. Um... Atomic Heart looks fucking great. They just came out with the uh, with the latest trailer. It looks amazing. <coughs> Atomic Heart is the most fascinating first person game I've ever seen. The lore looks amazing. That's this month, Johnny. Huh, yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? After all these, I've I've been following that game since what, like three, four years ago. Well, have maybe? you seen the last trailer? The I think I don't know if it was the final trailer. I saw the last trailer. I saw. I looked on YouTube. It was dated like. Back in December, November. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if there's a newer one than the November one. No, there is. Oh, okay. It's, it is great, dude. So when I saw Atomic Heart. I Did you like, see the the stupid buzz around the game? How people were like, after they're done boycotting, like the leg- how it looks like the people are going to boycott 
red uh we call it atomic heart because it's like a rushing game or whatever oh, fucking that's fucking dumb have you heard that or no i haven't heard uh, that. they're gonna be like oh we're so you know supporting russia by yeah the- so fuck it let's promote this game mm. so <laughs> when i first saw the trailers i was like okay this is cool the, the setting is cool it's 1950s russian uh a different um alternate reality right alternate history alternate yeah. history it was dope but with this trailer it tells you all the details dude it tells you like you saw this little like tentacle thing on the hand it begins to tell you what that's for mm. and it's a buddy actually the little the little stuff that comes out it's oh, okay. it's your help it's like the helping. gun from high on life kind of the face the, the yeah talking similar gun. to that <laughs> okay it's that and then it gives you the background of how we got here the whole narrative of of why we started branching out into this world it has to do with like them winning World War Two, right, or something like that. I actually forgot. Well, but I mean, was, they won World War Two in real life. But I mean, like, where they really, really like dominated, like Germany, like where instead of like the German invasion going the way of how it went in real life, like that like, Germany just like instantly got pushed back immediately or something like that. Yeah. So it actually does tell you that portion. It tells you that okay, I suppose they won, and then they... like they're the ones who do Operation Paperclip or something like that. Oh, okay. Something, something along those lines where they, they get they take the advantage early on, not like a year later, like when we finally helped them out. Yeah, so they became victorious, and then they started uh, developing AI, and then at some point the there was an update to the AI, but somebody sabotaged it, and that's why everything is so chaotic now. So oh, okay. at first it was like this nice little utopian. That's why the machines utopia. are like indiscriminate with like targeting. Yeah, exactly. Hostiles. Okay. So I saw some more uh, enemies. It has a ton of enemies. <coughs> it looks amazing, dude. I. I I compare it to a Kojima game. It reminds me of, and of course, it's it's such an obvious uh, inspiration of like, um, uh, Bioshock, but like it had like it has like that fifties like Fallout kind of like transistor chip pre transistor chip kind of like design aesthetic where like you know what i'm talking about like you know how cars right now are very utilitarian looking but back in the oldsmobile days they were like with the curves and like the exaggerated fins in the back rocket ship look yeah like very kind of like where the aesthetics do matter it's not just about like you utility like you know like efficiency it really is about like like a little flourish kind of thing you know what i mean like that's how like, the mm-hmm. machinery kind of looks like where it's like you know that teal green paint that's like on like 50s era stuff like pastels co- pastels thank you like that kind of it has like that look but just you know with a red star on it like a, that soviet kind of like yeah. it looks cool it's very it's definitely stands out it's very unique looking yeah that, I, well i'm talking about it now because the trailer just came out you need to go watch that trailer i'll watch it yeah i'll watch it when i get home okay so that was random. That wasn't part of the presentation. Um, so I guess what have you been playing? I've been playing, well, I only played a little bit of it, uh, Hi-Fi Rush. Mm-hmm. So this is the big Xbox game that dropped the same day it was announced, uh, done by Tango Gameworks, the people who did uh, Tokyo, uh, that, oh, I forgot, the Tokyo game that came out last year. Do you remember the name? Tokyo Ghostwire. The same people who did, um, uh, what's that horror game? Um, Latin, uh, Evil Within. Okay. They're the ones who uh, who basically did this game. So this is the game made by the creator of Resident Evil, actually. Shinji Mikami. Um, Alright, so so yeah. So uh, Hi-Fi Rush, it's on Game Pass. Um, again, from the guy who made uh, Resident Evil. They talk about, oh, he did, he talked about this during the presentation, how like Tango Gameworks is known for like mostly horror-themed games. 
but this was like one of their like uh odd like passion side projects they're like like what if we did something like different right and something a little more upbeat and if you look at this game it has a very unique visual style it's kind of like comic booky but also if you've ever played jet set radio or any of those games that have kind of like a cell shaded look to them hi-fi rush is very much that it's a very goofy technological kind of world um the gameplay reminds me kind of Kingdom Hearts, but if Kingdom Hearts was set to like Guitar Hero. And by that, I mean like your character does like melee attacks. He has like this like sword, guitar sword thing that's made of like just like scrap metal. But in the background of the game, there's like a beat, kind of like a, uh, like a metronome. I think you call it, right? The thing that goes back and forth, like a metronome. It's like a thing for timing beats or whatever, right? So in the background of the game, there's like stuff going on that's set to like a rhythm, kind of like a tap, 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 tap kind of rhythm. And if you can line up your attacks with your button presses with that tap, you do more damage than you would just mashing offbeat. So I've only been in like the first boss so far in the game, but like your character, like you have like this MP3 that somehow like surgically paste, like placing your head in your body in your chest kind of like an arc reactor but it's like an mp3 player and so that explains why you can like detect the like rhythm of the world like the music rhythm of the world and so all your attacks but also your dodges are also like rhythm based so you can like dodge 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 and like your third dodge is like fur like it's like a really far like dodge but if you just dodge randomly like there's no it's slower and you're not on beat then it's just kind of like a haphazard kind of like a half-assed dodge so the game encourages you to like match everything you do to the beat of like the world. And you can you can have a visual aid if you're like being like you're like really bad with rhythm. You can have like a visual aid on the bottom of the screen where it kind of just shows kind of like a guitar hero style thing where it's like these like little nodules, like these little nodes, and then it'll show you when the beat reaches the note and that's when you push the button kind of thing. If that makes sense. So it's kind of like a guitar sideways guitar hero light layout. And that's when you know like, oh, like light, light, heavy light light heavy like so the game shows you how to do the it has a really good tutorial system teaching you how to do the rhythm beats and the attacks and then like if you do enough of them you get like a super you can use like a like you're like your finisher which does like more damage and it just looks way more visually impressive it's it's really cool it's very quirky it's very silly um like you're introduced to like a character they also adds like on the side, they'll add extra damage if you do like all the combos correctly. Like they'll come in and throw in like one final like attack or whatever. So I'm only about two hours into it. The boss battle, the first boss battle that I had was actually the coolest. It's like the coolest moment of the game so far because it's he does a thing where like he attacks you, but all his attacks, if you pay attention, are like set to certain rhythms. So you go do like a gallon laser where it's like ta 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 ta. Da, 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 da. and it's like you hear it so you know like at what point you're supposed to dodge and if you like miss the dodge you're probably gonna get hit by the follow-up attack like too quickly so a lot of it is music kind of rhythm based but it's like a action platformer like kingdom hearts says where you're attacking and jumping and like traversing the linear world and stuff it's it's pretty cool it's it's getting a lot of great reviews right now um from what i understand it's actually a short game i think it's like seven hours or something i'm about an hour and a half maybe two hours in from what I understand on how long to beat like because on game pass you have integration where it tells you how long it takes to beat a game mm-hmm. now and it's, i think it's like about eight or seven hours so it's not a long game uh it's it's very the the humor i appreciate the humor it's pretty funny the visuals everything is great aside from maybe the story i think it's just kind of like whatever 
but it's unique. It's something I haven't really played in a long time in terms of like this either anything with rhythm or anything like a like an action platformer kind of game. So it's kind of a cool change of pace for me compared to what I usually play. So Hi-Fi Rush, it's on Game Pass. Definitely worth trying out if you already have Game Pass. If you, even if you don't, you should probably still try it out anyways. It's Game Pass is like what, like 10, 15 bucks a month depending on which package you get. So yeah, that's what I've been playing. I'm still f- uh, finishing up Fire Emblem Engage. I'm on chapter 18, I think. Hold, hold up, I wasn't, I wasn't done with the Hi-Fi thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, how do you feel about the marketing cycle for that thing? Because there really wasn't one. Right. So that was the big thing about it, right? That uh, people were kind of, um, <coughs> excuse me. The game got a massive amount of buzz even without a marketing uh, budget at all, right? It was announced, showcased, and dropped like all on the same day. That and sounds really silly. Like it's I'm- silly, but it in this particular case it worked. I think. I think people because people. Only Microsoft can really get away with doing something like that. I think you have not anybody can just like a smaller studio that doesn't have like a a visual presence, like an Xbox showcase or whatever. Like, I mean, there's no name games that drop all the time that we don't pay attention to, right? But because it's Microsoft, because it's Tangle Game Works, because it's from this pedigree of studio that people pay attention to, and because it was on a massive platform like the sh- Xbox showcase, people were tuning in and watching. Like, it's very easy to capitalize. You have all your eyes on it. Like show the thing you have right but doesn't it make sense to at least have at the very least have a teaser have a trailer to build up hype i actually then... prefer this because how many times do you get teased and kind of like pull along that's part of the experience for me i mean how many times do we see a game announced like three years ahead of time or just like oh, shoot. i'm not talking three years it, it could have been three months Mm. it wouldn't make sense like you get some- i think three months makes sense i think three months is a that's rare though i think the last time we got something like that was when bethesda announced fallout 4 like five months before it came out three months six months because how many people actually saw that announcement right it just went down it just went down in a day and then you realize like oh i have game pass or i i don't have it i'm gonna join right now Whereas if you have a trailer, that trailer is just floating around like a few months prior. And they're like, maybe I should get Game Pass before this game drops. So I can have that game as soon as it drops. I mean, marketing is always going to get you more sales, isn't it? I think, I well, okay. So let me, because those are like three different things at once. So let me get them in order. The marketing cycle, we say like three months would have been good. I, I think you're right. I think that definitely would not hurt. I also think the inverse of that, the initial shock of like, and you can play this right now, like that gets headlines, that gets buzz going like immediately because no one else is really doing that. So that's like a big like, what? Like like that shock, that kind of reaction travels, I think, especially today, like with the whole internet age kind of thing, like news spreads extremely quickly, especially if you're tuned in into this sphere like we are, right? That stuff goes quick. It goes viral very quickly. Uh, this your second point about um, I think that was it. Just Game Pass oh. is that because a game is on Game Pass, there's no way this would have been as successful if it was a sixty dollar game available like mm-hmm. off like that, right? Mm-hmm. That would not work because people just have Game Pass passively. Like I, we talked, kind of talked about this earlier. It's kind of like you can play this right now, and there is no there is no sense of like having to invest into it because you already have it. Just like you can go to your computer or your Xbox and play this now. I think that also kind of helps it because nowhere else can you really do that where like you can play this game for free, 
quote, you know, quotes, not free, but you know what I mean? Because you already have it, right? Like, you could play this right now today is like, whoa, like, that is huge. Like, I don't have to, like, it's not like a $60 game that's dropping at the store, right? Like, it's not, I have to go down to the Walmart and pick it or GameStop or whatever. Like, it's right there on my digital platform of choice. And it's already included in this thing that I'm already bought into this ecosystem. I already pay for every month. Mm-hmm. So that's my second point. Um, I forgot what the third point was. I forgot the third thing you I'll said. I'll give you a third point. Okay, what was it? I just realized there's a great benefit to dropping the game. Just uh, not necessarily immediately, but day and date where nobody knows about the game. The benefit is... Oh, go ahead. I think I already said. Go ahead. Is you can drop the game and you don't have to worry about people reviewing your game. There's no like... Is this game worth seventy bucks? It's like no, you could just fucking play it right now, regardless if you, you like control, it or not. You control the conversation on it, right? Uh-huh. That's right. There's no time for negative reviews. There's no negative buzz because it's such a shock that it drops. There really isn't time for negativity to foment or to build up. There's no like, oh, this looks like trash or whatever, because people found out about it immediately. There was no. I think I saw some people on YouTube were like, oh man, I wish I knew about this. Like, I can't react to it like ahead of time, or I can't make a video because people are already playing the game. And it's like, yeah, like. They're, they kind of it's like when you get a it's like you get ahead of the conversation mm-hmm. by controlling the flow of conversation right we kind of we see this with um a lot of uh, marketing campaigns kind of have something similar where they do like guerrilla marketing or some kind of um because they control the flow of information they can kind of guide where the public reaction or reception goes right because like you said, there's no time for people are kind of just seeing like all this shininess. I guess you call it shininess, kind of like wow factor. And there's not really time for pessimism to like kind of sink in. There's no kind of narrative control or spin you can put on it. You kind of just have the, the immediate like, all right, go try it out right now and then find out if it's for you or not. Yeah, but it's also a double-edged sword because there's no chatter about it. And you know this There's is... There's instant chatter, Johnny. Instant chatter. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know the saying, like, good news or bad news. No, no news or ba- uh, no news is good news, right? That's not, I, that's the saying I heard. No, to me, it's it's you have bad news is also good news if you have a decent product because... Oh, all news is good news. Yeah. All news... I forgot how it goes. Yeah, but, all news is good news. But yeah, all news is good news. Yeah, let's, let's just go with that. Because people are... Because what, like, yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> and the biggest example of this, one of the big two examples is cyberpunk. Uh, I mean, yeah, cyberpunk had so much fucking drama behind it. Fucking sales just took off. Dude. Well, people, in cyberpunk's case, it didn't matter because the pre-orders were so damn high. Like they, they, they were high to begin with. The pre-orders that. more than covered the budget of the game. Yeah. So even before the game came out. So the better example, I think you'll agree with this some more, is uh, Hogwarts. Like, there were a lot of people who were like, I don't know about this fucking game. But then Hogwarts got political, and then there were more people that were like, man, fuck this. I'm going to support this game just to, like, rub Out of it in spite, their face. right? Yeah. I'm going to buy two or three copies. I'm going to buy a copy for myself, and then I'm going to sell it. I'm going to do a giveaway for my audience, right? Did it come out today or no? Is Hogwarts out? I don't know if it was out today. Oh, okay. I, I think just reviews came out. Oh, you're right. Review Embargo went up and like ig actually gave like a nine out of ten i think right yeah so there were a lot of people that you know the the diehard hogwarts fans a lot of people were saying that especially people who wanted to boycott the game were saying like like guys like stop talking about the game even negatively because you're still bringing attention to it um so i think yeah i think you're right i think if, if anything i think 
that kind of almost always works to the detriment or at least or in the op okay it comes out the 10th okay so that's this Friday but I think that always almost works in the opposite direction because then you have people who do things in spite to spite on purpose yeah so. exactly because I've I've said this about certain games that I don't like like when um, it's almost like when you tell a child don't open that door like what are they gonna do open the door right they don't even know the door exists exactly so, because know. you brought attention to it it's like oh, i was gonna ignore this but now i'm just gonna do it even better like i'm gonna do it even harder like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah so uh you know um what was it like metal slugs was purchased by i forgot the the prince or whatever his company was in saudi arabia and i said okay cool uh i'm gonna boycott this this game and i'm not, I'm not telling everybody like you should fucking boycott it's a one like, and done thing yeah. hey if you guys like the game whatever buy the fucking game right sure but what I'm really doing when I say I'm boycotting the game, uh, you just stop feeding it. It's, it's no, it's it's like telling my tribe, like, hey guys, pay attention to what I'm saying because if you feel like I do, you have to know about this particular thing. Sure. But then then you tell you like you're being loud about it, so you're telling all the other fucking tribes this is what's going on, you know, and they might not give a shit what you think. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I said, it's like telling the kid, don't do this thing. Yeah, it's your like, metaphor was better. Yeah, it's like, hey, guys, don't buy this game. What game? This game. Don't buy it. Like, what? It's like, um, have you seen that stupid meme where it's like, oh my God, like they, they put out so and so's news. They're like, what? They did that? Which website? So I know not to go to that website. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? It's like that kind of thing where it's like, it has the inverse result of what you wanted. Surprise and effect. I keep hearing, what does that mean? I keep hearing that phrase, Streisand effect. Um, I've been hearing so many people use that phrase lately. Streisand, Streisand had a property. So it has nothing to do with Barbara Streisand, the actor. Uh, I'm pretty sure it does. Oh, does it? Okay, keep, uh, well, keep... just look it up. It's a Streisand or oh, Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Streisand effect. Phenomenon in which an attempt to censor, hide, or otherwise draw attention away from something only serves to attract more attention to it. But what does that have to do with Barbara Streisand? She had a property. And then it was featured in I fuck I forgot it was featured on a show where people started going to her house like a see, house oh that's a home okay a property okay. yeah to see like oh that's her place cool so what she started doing is trying to censor the fact that she lived right there and then everybody found out because there was so much drama around it so it just amplified the fact that well she was oh there. yeah it is named after American singer and actress Barbara Streisand whose attempt to suppress the California Coastal Records project fo- photograph of her cliff top residence in Malibu California taken to document California coastal erosion inadvertently drew greater attention to the photograph in 2003 attempts to suppress information are often made through cease and desist letters but instead of being suppressed the information receives extensive publicity as well as media ex- extensions such as videos and spoof songs, which can be mirrored on the internet or distributed on file sharing networks. In addition, seeking or obtaining an injunction to prohibit something from being published or remove something that is already published can lead to increased publicity of the published work. The Streisand effect is an example of psychological re- reactance, wherein once people are aware that some information is being kept from them, they are significantly more motivated. Okay, so it's like the kid I mentioned. Like the kid, like, don't open that door. It's like, oh, I'm going to open it now, right? This is funny, too, because I think of how often companies put out like copyrights for certain things or like they copyright certain names and it's like oh now we know that's a thing right it's like in your oh, when effort they do a cease and desist for or like yeah or like when they seek to like protect like a copyright or like the trademark for something it's like oh yeah, now like, we know it's a thing like there's leaked photos and then uh konami's like no 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 that's you gotta take remove that shit down. Take, it's like why would you remove it if you didn't care about it right if it's not your photos of why you take it down exactly right, right? it's like the, where smoke there's fire kind of thing so um um 
Yeah. How does this go back to what we're talking about? So this goes back <laughs> to the game that you were playing and me asking, like, do you think it was smart for them to just drop it day one without any more significant marketing? I think in this instance, yes. I don't think that would work every single time. I think all the flaws you pointed out would be substantially more common for, say, I don't know, the next Mortal Kombat game. If the Mortal next Mortal Kombat game got announced like the same day it was like released or whatever, I think that would like. Yeah, I think that'd be detrimental. Yeah, exactly, game. exactly. But because this is a, a new IP, because this is like a side game that they were kind of working on in the background, because it's Xbox, because they have all these other things going for them, the Game Pass connection and everything. I think in this instance, it was like a success for them because they're talking about like how they're seeing like really like high. I think like more people were playing Hi-Fi Rush than any Game Pass exclusive like in the past year or something. Yeah, I think it also depends on on the on Microsoft's perception of the game, how they think it's going to perform. Mm-hmm. That'll dictate whether they put marketing behind it. Because if yeah, if you got a Resident Evil, you got to market that shit, right? Sure. Like, even if it's one of the greatest games of all time, yeah, you're gonna market that shit. But if you don't think the game is gonna perform as well, you know, you don't give uh, time for reviewers to to put their eyes on it. Sure. I do wish we learned about games like later compared to like so early now where we know like years ahead of time because it just creates so much i feel like that's anticipation xbox. i feel, I feel too- like everybody does everybody does that everybody kind of xbox does that. more than anybody else nintendo's better at doing it they do it now where like i think they announce a game and they release it like in under six months now for the most part i feel at most two years at the very most two years i really like a year traditionally at e3 uh, whenever a game company reveals a game at E3, it's you. It's almost never more than eighteen months away, and I think that's probably as close as I'm willing to get to that. Like, if you're gonna show a game, it's like in, it better come out within eighteen months. I don't want to wait years on end for this thing to come out. Like, like they teased me for years with Kingdom Hearts three and Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy fifteen took ten years, Johnny. Ten years. Ten years. You know how annoying that is. To wait for something Final 10 Fantasy years? What? 15? 15? 15? Yeah. Okay. That's the one that's about to come out. No. 16 is the one that's about to come out. Okay. 15 was the last one on PS4. 16, they're a little bit better about it. That one was announced at the... Um, when they showed off the PS5, I think. Right? But why was that relevant? Because you were getting other Final Fantasies in between that time. Yeah, but I just hate being teased that long. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, okay. Like, don't do that to us. To give us, like... Give us within the calendar year or, or don't tell us at all. So... Uh, so that's what I've been playing. Johnny, I don't think you told us. What have you been playing? Or did you? I don't remember. Uh, I, I was actually going to ask you one more thing about that game. Oh, Hyper Rush? Okay. Would you, be, uh, would you be down to play more games if it had like uh, a music component? Like, say, uh, of the fighting game. Because with a fighting game, obviously, <coughs> it's like side to side, and then you, you press all your buttons, whatever, and you get your combos, et cetera, right? Yeah. But if it was a music game, you would just focus on the bottom, you hit the mark and what it would do for the game is make the game more cinematic right but you're also looking at the prompts and you have <coughs> time to actually watch what's going on on screen you get what i'm saying it's like it's like a detriment because you're not focused on the cinematic but at the same time is it more fun to you if it's got that music element yeah I, there's a couple of games i do want to play that are like that i just haven't had time there's um there's a new Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm that's coming out, which is basically just like all the music from across Final Fantasy, like the entire all the games, kind of set to like a rhythm guitar hero style kind of like combat game, 
which is it's it's a 2D side scrolling, but it's like on Switch. It's coming to Switch. That's what I'm gonna play. Another one is Metal Hellsinger. I don't know if you know this one, where it's like it's a first person shooter, but it's also rhythm based, where you're shooting to the like specific like metal riffs, like on a guitar, like metal guitar riffs, mm-hmm. and you're like you're, the buttons are it's similar in concept where it's timed to that. Um. There's another one that is like an indie game being made. I don't know when it's, when it's going to come out yet. I remember it was announced back when I still lived with my mom a couple years back. So I think it's supposed to come out. I forgot what it's named. It's like, um, it's like it's like another word for a music note combined with like melee or com- I forget the title of the game is music and also like combat related. It's like two words put together, but it's like or sword of song or song of the sword, something like that. Where like you're fighting, and like as you're fighting, if you time it right, you'll see like little like trebles and musical notes like jump out and like do damage and stuff. Okay. So okay. there's like so this isn't a new concept. There's like other music based combat games. They're just like barely being a thing right now though. Okay, I I said fighting game, but I don't think that's a great example because I said it would be more cinematic. But I'm so focused on what's going on down here that I'm I'm I'd be pissed off because I'm like I want to see my character. I want to see what the hell they're doing, right? Oh, okay. So ideally, a game that has music for me would be a game that's top down and you're and you're running across the the screen. Mm-hmm. But the uh like the little prompts are places where your character steps. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. I'll so say something more like along the lines of the BGs where you're like uh 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 if you can't see i'm punching to the rhythm of the song (laughs) no if i if i could see a top down and it's a long corridor maybe you're shooting zombies or whatever your character is like running but the note is like right there so you can see exactly your character like fucking taking out a a zombie or whatever with the shotgun right Mm -hmm. but but the character is like within the symbol somehow you know what this reminds me of do you remember the trailer for the punisher season one okay where they're playing uh, Metallica's one, but it's being uh, it's it's someone using a machine gun to the rhythm of Metallica's one. All right. Where it's like no, do you remember that? I don't remember. It, yeah. If anybody out there is listening, they know what I'm talking about. Please comment or something next week or something. But this, if you, I'm gonna have you. That's your, that's your homework for the week, John. You're gonna look at the season one trailer for the net for the Punisher Netflix show. And they do like uh, it's Metallica's one. That's an, the song's called One, and it's like a famous. It's a famous song. Okay. But like when it gets like faster paced in the trailer, they replace the riff with gunshots. They're making the exact same rhythm as the song. It's really cool. It's a really cool trailer. But uh, that's why I picture when you said shooting like zombies. That's what I was thinking of. Like in my head, like you're like. Trrr. Like, like the automatic fire is like synced to like the rhythm or like if yeah. it's like a rapid beast like kind of thing so that'd be cool yeah and then and then you got your like slower sections and that that's when you check your like weapon loadout all that it's like your pause and actually when you're like reloading and stuff and yeah that, that'd be an awesome game or you could reload to the rhythm like for a faster reload like you know what i mean we have an idea right here john we got an idea right here okay man that could have been a pitch could have been anyways uh so you're done with uh what you've been playing yes sir okay uh because i really haven't been i've been taking i knew it i knew i've been playing um i've still been playing uh alan wake uh i I forgot you were playing that no i feel the same did you finish it or no 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 i'm on chapter four and there's you told joe you would finish it i was trying to i was trying to 
Uh, I'm on chapter four. There's, I believe, five chapters. I I feel the same way about the game, whatever that I nothing, spoke to Nothing last changed? Time. Well, the narrative has changed. And now I'm beginning to see how, so how some of the see? elements mm-hmm. are connected to control. Right? Okay. And it's kind of neat because... Do they have like those weird objects of power or whatever? That's exactly what I was going to bring up. Oh, okay. What, what do you think is the last uh, boss I fought? Is it have anything to do with control? Because I'm not going to know otherwise. Well, control. Like, if you don't know control, this isn't going to make any sense. Oh, is it an object of some kind of ability or power? What do you think it was? A pen? A pen. A uh, car? Was it, it a car? It was a like bulldozer. A, a sentient... Oh, I was close. I said a car. That's yeah, cool. yeah. A bulldozer is kind of like a car. Yeah, I walked out. It's, it's a sentient bulldozer? Yeah, I, I walked out of some, <laughs> uh, some warehouse, right? I walked out of the building. And I feel like all said, you have to do is find like uneven ground. And, like that's it. Like like oh, I can't get past it. Like it's too bumpy. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it was an open area, sort of like a parking lot. And it's not really a spoiler, but there was a, a giant, a big old hill. And then I see like these lights turn on, mm-hmm. and then this bulldozer just comes barreling down the hill oh, no. into the parking lot, and it throws a few enemies. And this bulldozer, it's it's just doing like three point turns. <laughs> I find that so funny. I'm, I'm picturing it. And I'm like, oh, this is dumb, <laughs> but it sounds funny. Well, it makes sense if you played Control. It, a- it comes down. I get around to the side. It makes a three-point turn. It, I move a little bit around it, and then it backs up, and then it's. It looks silly. <laughs> it looks silly, but it's still pretty menacing because nobody's <coughs> nobody's driving this thing. Oh, trust me, I, I wouldn't go head to head with a bulldozer. Okay, but I'm just picture. I'm just picturing it though because it's like. Like what? Like I can imagine. You know when you look at vehicles and you kind of see a face with the headlights and yeah. like the grill. Like I'm just picturing like it has like headlights and a grill, but it has like an angry metal eyebrow or something. You know what I mean? Like are the windshield wipers are just like, flapping around. They go straight down. They look make it look angrier. Right? Like, yeah. like they're just like eyelashes or eyebrows, and then like. Well, it's a giant machine. It does look menacing. It's nighttime. It's got the headlights on you. Um, and then it's ha- it has like five enemies that are running around. So you got to keep an eye on them and also not get run over by this thing. Does it do a creepy thing where it turns off the lights and you lose track of it? And then it's like, where did it no, go? No. It and like you're hiding and then like you're like a deer caught in headlights. You're like, oh no. <laughs> it doesn't go that far. That's funny. Uh, so I put I put a few. I shot the bulldozer. You're supposed it, to shoot the bulldozer? You're supposed to. With a gun? Well, you're supposed to shine the light on it, oh. and at some point, you you got to take it out somehow. I don't remember how I took it out. Do you shoot it? Like actually shoot it? Well, because when bullets just bounce off, I'm thinking. Well, it's not. It's not like you throw a flare gun at it because you you sh- you have a flare. You have okay. You have a shotgun. You have a handgun. You have a rifle. And remember, I told you last time how you shine the light, and then it, the circle gets smaller and smaller, and then yeah. until the circle gets smaller is when you kill the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. But with the bulldozer, all I really have that I could shoot at it is the flare gun. So I have multiple things. I, I like this mechanic because I have a flashlight, and then I have a big flashlight, and then I have a, a what is it called? A flashbang, and a, uh, I have little flares, and, I, and then a flare <laughs> Do gun. Do you disorient the bulldozer or what? No, well, <laughs> it's possessed. So I, use, I have to use light to mm-hmm. weaken it. Mm-hmm. And well, that's how I took care of that. Can you like target its treads to slow it down or something? Or no, you can't get. It doesn't work that way. No, no. no. Oh. 
Because I'm thinking of re- in real life, where are the vulnerable spots on a bulldozer? Like, oh, the treads, easily, right? Like, they're rubber or something, right? I imagine. Oh, they're, they're metal. Are they metal? Yeah. Why do I, th- why do I think they're rubber then? Okay. Yeah, those things are metal. Mm. Um, How would you be to the bulldozer in real life? I don't know. I'm thinking of, like, the tank fight in Metal Gear Solid where you just lob grenades at it. Okay, if this was real life, <laughs> I'd have to get into the bulldozer. And then just rev it until I break it. <laughs> like, you have to, like, sneak behind it and just, like, jump on top or something. <laughs> and, like, try to get to the driver's seat. Pop the gas and put sugar I in think it. once you're in the driver's oh. seat, the boulders can't do anything to you, right? I don't think it can. There's no way it well, can... Well, it's s- not going to flip over. It's not going to do, like, a... There's no around. way it can spin it fast enough. Like, it doesn't have enough torque to spin fast enough to, like, throw you off, right? I think. Yeah, but you're stuck in it now. Oh, it's so not like you it's have not like to a, do. You have to dismantle. You have to destroy it while you're in it. Sure, sure, sure. Pull some levers, jam. I don't know. Pour water into the control system. I don't know. Uh, no, but you can't. If if you get in it, the seatbelt's just gonna choke you. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Dang. Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So anyhow, um, I like how we just started. Like, 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 like metaphor. Not metaphorically, but hypothetically, how would you defeat a bulldozer? <laughs> That's what. All right, continue, Johnny. Continue. So I I passed that portion, and now I see more things that are related to control. To control, because you start seeing the items that are uh, objects of power. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a like railway station, mm-hmm. a railroad station, mm-hmm. and there's objects just like the wheels or whatever. They detach and they start like shaking. They start going up into the air and they shake, and then they throw themselves at me. Like the floating people in control. Like yeah, just, exactly okay. like that. Hmm. So, um, I got two more chapters, and that's enough to tell me Do more you... about the connections. So I'm, ex- I'm excited for that. On what basis would you recommend this game? Like, who is this game for? People that want to play the next Alan Wake. Okay, that's like a very specific subset of people. I mean, like, is this for people who oh. are into? I don't know, flashlights? Or is that these into people who want something Anybody that has, something that's spooky but not too spooky? Okay. Anybody that has played a Remedy game, anybody that wants to know what's going on with Control, Okay. how, uh, what's it called? Uh, I just told you earlier, Rockstar owns this game. Um, the game with the guy in the trench coat. Manhunt? No, not Manhunt. Um, the guy with the trench coat? Yeah, he like jumps in slow-mo. Max Payne? Max Payne. <laughs> Control, Max Payne. All that stuff is a connected universe. So if you want to try to keep up with that stuff, you should play this game. But as far as outside of Control games, this is like if you're into X-Files. Mm, spooky. If you're into X-Files, maybe if you're into cryptids, if you're... They're out there, guys. Detective stories. Because uh, Alan Wake is, a, is an author, right? So he's constantly like... He's constantly like drawing, uh, writing out the story that he's actually in. Mm-hmm. So he's like, and then there's a giant bulldozer. Like he wrote that part in, or what? That's uh, weird. I don't. I don't. <laughs> it's not explicit, at least oh. in the beginning. Because <coughs> I'm like, well, it's like it reminds me of a viewer seen Ghostbusters, where like the the bad guy tells him like, choose the form of your destroyer. And they're like, uh, like don't think of anything, don't think of anything. And one of them thinks of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. And that becomes the destroyer. Oh, is that why he's there? Yeah, because yeah. I think of like, okay, now I will use your mind against you and like choose the form. Like one of you will choose the form. So they all try to like empty their minds 
but one of them thinks of like the mushroom like marshmallow guy from the commercials and so that's why it's a giant marshmallow so here he's like he's like i need antagonist for the story uh let's throw a bulldozer in there <laughs> you know what i mean no it makes sense though because it's it's depending on what your environment is and i'm in the forest right now okay oh so. deforestation the enemy of the tree yeah okay all right is that all you've been playing Joy? yeah that's all i've been playing um all right what else we got that's it that's all we've been playing i guess you want to talk about what you've been watching maybe that's oh that's right definitely want to talk about this okay so stranger things i don't know if i talked about this last time you did i, I did okay yeah. so i i finished the last episode for stranger things i was watching ancient apocalypse i've been keeping an eye on that i think i've heard of this show yeah, well, Someone? they were talking about it uh, with, uh, what's it, Colin was talking about it. Oh, okay, I did hear about this show then. Okay. But do you know anything about this? No, but I've been wanting to watch it because he me- he recommends it, about, like, how there's been a previous extinction we don't know about or something, right? Yeah, I mean... This- certain things around the world line up in a way that, like, people haven't really been talking about or something, like roads or technology or something. This is stuff I've been, like, following for years. I've told you this, like, before. The pyramids like, and stuff? Yeah, like, certain markings are very interesting. Like, how did they create certain carvings etc right sure yeah um but uh it's graham hancock that's the creator of ancient apocalypse i had his book i don't know four or five years ago uh fingerprints of the gods Ooh, that sounds cool that book is pretty cool like it's it's great storytelling it's a it's an audio book right oh but he narrates it and the way he delivers it is great and the details in it are are fascinating it's but he's not just giving you like facts or whatever he's not like hey in this date this happened and that happened it really feels like this grand story like somehow this is all tied together yeah so an ancient apocalypse that's on netflix and it's dope because what i read in the book i that whole time i had to use my imagination right so now it's really cool because he gets to go to the location that i envisioned in my head right Sometimes it looks just like I thought, and other times it, it doesn't. And <coughs> they'll do dope dope things. Like, they'll go to a location, and they'll, they'll show you, like, this is place here, and here, and here, and here, right? But what's really cool is that they use LiDAR. And LiDAR is, like, uh, I think it's light-penetrating radar or something like that. Oh, okay. So you'll have a, you'll have a location, like, you'll... you'll You'll scratch the surface, right? You'll see blocks laid out in a certain way, but they'll use LiDAR. And then they'll show, like, oh, there's, like, three chambers in there that we haven't excavated, right? So they'll do that for for a lot of the places. Um, where, you, where it's not, like, safe or cost-effective to dig, right? Yeah, exactly. You're like, is it worth digging here? We just do this light-penetrating radar or whatever, and then we'll see, like, is it worthwhile, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll show a structure and then they'll show like, damn, there's like 80% left down there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been fun. Uh, that's a definite recommendation. Ancient Apocalypse on Netflix. And then I started watching uh, Prisoners. No idea? No, sorry. Um, it was like Prison Break? <laughs> no, no, no. It's I, I, Okay, so the premise of Prisoners is is they're they're like having a family gathering and then there's two little girls and then at some point the dad comes to the living room and he's like hey where's the so-and-so right 
And then you'd imagine the family starts to panic. They're like, where's the last time you saw them? Uh, and then they start going out into the neighborhood. Everybody picks their direction and they start trying to figure out like, where's the last time you saw this kid and that kid and talk to the neighbors and knock on everybody's door, etc. Uh, so for the actors for this is we have Don Cheadle. We have... Uh, oh, I like him. We have what's his name from uh, Wolverine. Um, Hugh Jackman? We have Hugh Jackman. And then we have the detective and the detective is Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. So that's a great cast right there. And uh, over the years, uh, my friends have been recommending me, like, yeah, Prisoners is, is fucking dope. Um, so I don't know. I think I'm like 30, 45 minutes. And it's already intense. Like, the, the story, the writing is, is pretty good. Um, you have anything? I was going to ask you something else, but you have anything you've been watching? Um, The Last of Us, the HBO show. Really, that's pretty much all I really watched. Okay. That's like the one thing I look forward to every Sunday where we're like, oh, new episodes. So like um, last week, we had episode three was like the Bill episode with uh, Bill and uh, Frank, right? I think Frank's the guy's name. Frank, yeah. Yeah. And it's like very different from the game because mm-hmm. you don't really get that insight into who Bill is in the game at all, really, other than from like the letter he leaves and like the, you know, the sticky magazine, supposedly that Ellie finds and like. Right, like there's there's some subtext about him being like having like a gay partner or whatever, and like that's kind of it in the game. But in the show, like they show you like from like when the outbreak happens from his point of view, and then like there's like time jumps of Bill where you're like um like five years later, and he has like everything like he's like a prepper, so he has like everything set up perfectly, like where he has like mines, he has ditches, he has like these gates, sensors all over the perimeter, like of his little like this little neighborhood and then they introduce frank like frank's like a wandering guy who's on his way to like somewhere else bill's kind of apprehensive about him he's like he's in trust this guy but he's not gonna just leave him to die out there so he like feeds him grooms him cleans him up and then like they each make comments that kind of like alludes to like they're both basically being gay like he like uh like i think he gives him like a certain wine that's like properly paired with like rabbit I think and he's like, oh, like, you're a man of fine taste. Like, you know, like, the finer things in life or something like that. And, like, and then I guess Bill plays, like, a show tune or something on the piano. And so, like, these are all kind of, like, stereotypes of, like, what a, like, a gay guy would know. Like, that kind of, like, that kind of knowledge of, like, what wine goes with what or, like, what music is, like, from, like, plays. Anyway, so, like, you know, then, he, then there's, like, the time jump. What I think one of them, I'm not sure. I don't remember because, you know, whatever I have, like gay friends or whatever i think one of them would be for example like a rocky horror show sure anybody outside of that community doesn't know what the hell that would be yeah i've heard of it but i've never seen the movie so or seen the plays or whatever right so yeah something like that and then like they do that fast forward thing where they um like they're kind of managing like they become like obviously really close and they're living their life together and then we see like uh i think frank is the one who actually invites joel and tess into like their community for the first time like he met them on the radio or something mm-hmm. and then like joel's like very like like bill like they're eating and bill has like his revolver on the table like pointed at joel because he doesn't trust anybody and it's like joel kind of gets pissed off eventually tells him to like, get that gun out of his face or whatever and like they're like very like tense and apprehensive towards each other so we're kind of getting like that early like negative co- relationship between them 
And then, like, other, I'm not going to ruin the whole episode. I'm going to flash forward. There's, like, other stuff that happens. And then you get to the point where, like, they basically just, like, they, you know, if you play the game, you know what happens to them. And then Joel comes and reads a letter, discovers what happens. And they basically stock up and leave with this truck to go continue the journey. So it's a really touching episode. I, I kind of teared up toward the end because it was really, like, emotionally, like, touching. This last episode, they just did the thing where, like, they, um, you know, where it's like, oh, like, I need help. Like, and then Joel's like, he just floors it because he knows it's, like, a, like a trap thing. Mm-hmm. And they do the same thing, like, in the game where he crashes into the laundromat. And, like, they're, they're shooting at him and Ellie. And, like, they have to, like, it's, like, it's like the first actual gameplay gameplay part that we've gotten from the show so far. Where, like, there's a shootout and stuff. And then Ellie sneaks away to, like, hide while he's doing the shooting and stuff. Because, you know, in the game, she kind of just dodges bullets in the game right but in the show you know you can't she can't do that so like she, she like scoots away hides in like this little like wall and then joel does a shootout thing then joel gets surprised by an enemy that he didn't expect and he's doing the choking out thing remember just like in the game and that's when ellie comes in and gets like the cheap shot on the guy shoots him in the back and joel likes tells ellie to go hide and then like he finishes him off with it so she doesn't see it happen or whatever mm-hmm. and that's when he's like like oh how do you you know like, how, like do you know how to use that trains her how to use the gun and like lets her finally keep it like in the game so and then we there's a little more to that i'm not gonna explain. i thought she stole a gun from bill from bill yeah from his place yeah yeah yeah, yeah that still happens okay but she did he did uh joel doesn't know about it until that until like he say she saves him at that moment. That's when he finds out. Like, yeah, oh, and he was like, "Why? What do you have that shit?" Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And so she explains. We, we get that kind of like the DLC moment where he like he masks like, "Oh, like," where she says, "Oh, that's not the first time I like shot somebody or whatever." And he's like, "Oh, well, like later on in the episode, like when they're about to go to sleep and stuff, like it's like like tell me about the first time." And she's like, "Like I don't want to talk about that because if you play the DLC, you know what she's talking about with like who she had to kill and stuff and like so." That kind of that, that doesn't really add up the timeline because they're the deal, t- they're jumping around a bit. I think they're moving some things up closer sooner and some things a little later. Because, I mean, the DLC happens like right after something happened. That one thing that happens to Joel. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but well, they didn't. She hinted at it. She they didn't show like the stuff that happened in the past. Because in the game, as far as the <coughs> show goes, they similar to go to that one college. Yeah, they're not there yet. That's not till later. That's like late game. Yeah, but that's when the DLC takes place. Sure. Okay. No, I'm talking about the like the what happened before the, you know, with the carousel and the arcade. You know, with their little friend with Riley. That's DLC, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like he's asking her already, like, oh, like when was the first time? And he's like, she's like, I don't want to talk about that. So, and then their hint, like the way the episode ends, is like you know. Um, Sam and Henry are introduced, and that's oh, barely. I thought that episode already showed. No, they didn't show up to like the very like right before the credits. So that whole portion still hasn't happened. That's probably going to be the next week episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So it's really cool. Like I've in my head, like Bella Ramsey is not exactly Ellie, like how I remember Ellie, because she just looks so different. But also just the height. Um, she carries herself pretty well, like the cussing and like the attitude. Like she jokes around a lot, like how Ellie does with the stupid, like like not like the book of jokes kind of thing. Well, part of that is because it's like beat by beat yeah. to the game, with the For exception sure. of some minor words. Yeah, like one will say, uh, 
like Bella Ramsey will say like what was it why did they give that trophy and then Ellie will be like why did they give that prize or something yeah like those changes it a little outstanding bit. in his field or the, they had that joke and like at the, at the end of this episode we finally get the kind of like where he's actually like laughing laughing and it's like oh like it's happening now like they're fi- like he's actually starting to like like her what I keep hearing a lot of complaints from Bella Ramsey or the, the version of Ellie in the show is that they've made her a lot more sadistic like that portion where she looks at that clicker and she's just like, <coughs> gonna oh yeah, that's not in the game. I don't think it is. It's not in the game. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, a lot of people are saying like this. This Ellie is just an ass. I don't know if I saw it sadistic. I think she kind of put it out of its misery. I kind of just saw it as her being curious about like, mm, like what happens if I poke this thing hard enough or like, or like maybe kill this thing so it's not an issue later on for somebody else or something. I could see a. Like a thirteen-year-old kind of doing that. Yeah, I didn't see that sadistic. Like, oh, like I'm just gonna kill. I mean, it, the thing is trapped. It's not really gonna do anything. So I did. It's not like it was like teasing it or cutting it, like to cut off its horns or whatever. It just like stab, like kill it. Like, why would you want that around? I don't. I didn't see that sadistic, but um, um, shoot, I forgot what I was gonna say. But yeah, I think you're starting to see the point now where like, oh, like he's actually starting to like like her and not just see her as only as cargo. Although he does call her cargo at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, oh, like she's talking talk something about like family. Oh, because she's asking about Tommy and something about family. And then he's like, and she's like, and we are she's like your cargo, like your cargo. So we're still kind of eh, we're kind of breaking down that barrier sort of by the end of the episode. But um, I'm enjoying it. I'm really having fun with the show. It's like my favorite thing to look forward to every weekend so far. So. I th- yeah, I think it's nine episodes, right? I think we're d- we're down four. We have five more to go. We have the next one coming up on Friday because of the Super Bowl mm-hmm. a little early, so that's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all I've really been watching. I don't really watch TV that much that often. If I do, I just watch reruns. Like, yeah, that's about it. So, I was gonna ask you a side question. I know the podcast running long, but I gotta ask you: What is your current favorite actor? Or like a set of actors where you're like, oh man, I can't wait for the next film. I don't know. That's a great question. I feel like the easy answer would be Pedro Pascal because pretty soon we're going to have the overlap where we have Last of Us airing at the same time that Mandalorian Season 3 is going to be airing. There's like a little overlap, just a little bit, because of the amount of episodes that are left. There's going to be two episodes between both series that are going to overlap. So I think that's the easy safe answer because it's like it's it's fresh in my head, but I'm I don't know. I'm trying to think who's out there doing stuff right now that's interesting or fun. I think I don't know. Shoot, maybe uh, Timothy Chalamet with Dune and um, oh man, I still gotta see Dune and. Uh, He's in a movie that just came out recently that I heard really good. I haven't seen it yet, but he's doing some interesting stuff. Um, I, can't, I don't know. I wasn't prepared for that quite. I can't really think. I don't know. Okay. Because I, I have a couple, right? Sure. Like, I have the old school actors that I'm, like, really into. and But then I got the current ones that aren't, like, the best actors. Sure. Except for one of them. Ooh. Like, my old school ones are, like, Jack Nicholson. Everything I'm seeing. I'm not that. Bit, uh-huh. I really like Jack Nicholson. It's not that I'm not a fan of him. It's that I'm not familiar enough with his work. I feel like that Shaq meme where I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I really didn't know. Like I didn't know about your uh... Jack Nicholson. Just 
I don't know, dude. Like, I'm not familiar with your game, right? That's what he says. The Shaq me. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I was not familiar with your game. That's like me. I think it was The Departed. Have you seen? Oh, that's a great movie. The Departed. I hate the ending, but it's a great movie. That little scene where Jack Nicholson, he's talking about. <coughs> he's like always sweaty in that movie. He, Funny. but in that in that movie, he's he's got that one scene where he's talking about like, I think there's a rat here, mm-hmm. and then he makes that those expressions like a rat, and then he's like yes. sniffling. I'm like, how the fuck did he? How the fuck does he act that out? He's 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 so, something. Uh, someone that's that I noticed more recently that's always in films that I really like, uh, like uh, Live Die, uh, is it uh, Live Die Repeat, stuff like that. Tom Cruise? No. Oh. Uh, oh, what's her name? Right, Emily Blunt. Yeah, there yeah, you go. She's in the Quiet Place. Like I didn't notice her, I but I'm like, she's in so many films that I like. Emily Blunt is awesome. I need to watch that movie. Yeah. And then we have a, a new actor. We have Batista. I was gonna say Batista. I was going to, but then like I didn't like his movie, the 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 Uber driving one he does with uh, what's his name? Oh, I didn't bother seeing that. Stuber, Stuber, whatever Stuber. I think. Stuber, I think it was. Cool. I I didn't like that movie. I saw it with him. I didn't care for that one. No way. But Batista has range. Like he has a Netflix show with zombies. That one's fun. It's a show or a movie? It's a it's a movie. It's a movie. Yeah the yeah. the one that's in Vegas or whatever, right? Yeah, there's not like crazy acting in it. But I it's just a it. fun show. It's just like he's in a movie I wanted to see that just came out. Uh, uh, Knock at the cabin or whatever something cabin. Oh yeah, I heard it was good. I heard uh, what's his it's name? It's like a, it's an M Night Shyamalan, like one of those like psychological. Yeah, M Night, he kind of fell off, but his like the last two or three films, he's been doing. He did well. the one where like I think it was called Old, the one by the beach. Yeah, I think it was just yeah. called Old. Yeah, uh, I think um, the Batista film, the one that's on Netflix with the zombies. I think if you like Bullet Train, you'll like that film. Uh 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 uh, stay alive. And then I have like four more. Um, I have. Of course, a, a older one that we've seen for decades, Leonardo DiCaprio, right? He's so active. Oh, yeah. That's an easy answer. That's an easy one. Yeah. Then we got Ryan Gosling and Jake Gyllenhaal. Those, those, those are, are really great. Right they, they're, they're, they're they're... they have like very like methodical type of films, right? For sure. And uh, Ryan Gosling just came out with a... What is it called on Netflix? Uh, I don't know. Damn. It's, is it, it's like a rom-com, no? Or no? No, no, no. It's an action film. I don't know. I was praising it like months ago. It was it was great. So not that new. <laughs> His latest film that's on on Netflix, Blade Runner. But the top one, oh Blade Two, Ryan Gosling and Blade Runner, twenty forty nine, amazing. The top one, it's got to be Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's. I think that's fair to say. I'm surprised you didn't mention Nicolas Cage. He's like one of my favorite ones. Yeah, but he's like a nineties. But I don't know if he's that good. He just actor. did the with Pedro Pascal in it. The, I didn't want to see that. The movie. unbearable weight of massive talent. I, that that movie like, is hilarious. That looks shitty. No, it's so good, Johnny. It's so good. I, the comedy. It's like the purest comedy I've seen in a long time. The comedy that I saw in that show, to me, is like <laughs> stand-up comedy. The late-night shows where they say a joke, and I'm like, that shit ain't funny. But there's a fucking laugh track behind them. That's the way that film looked. No, me. it's cool. It's him playing as himself. But Pedro Pascal is like playing like this like rich like European dude and like like there's more to the movie. I really don't like the third act of the movie because it, it just becomes like a generic like action thriller or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like the first two thirds of that movie are just so like wholesome, genuine. Like you want you want these guys to be friends because they just. 
they have like insane chemistry. It's such a, it's so fun. You should watch it. It's fun. Okay, but and then Lord of War. Have you seen Lord of War? Where he's like, the, good. he's that, a gun. That's probably his best film. I don't know about that. It's pretty good, but there's National Treasure. It's, both of them, National Treasures. Yeah, that's third. It's gonna be either The Rock, Face Off. Okay, The Rock, the in Alcatraz. It's either that one or Lord of War. Lord of War is probably number one for him. Lord of War is great. I love. That's a movie I try to watch at least once a year. But uh, but Tom Cruise. The reason I think he's number one on my list is because Maverick. For, yes. For one. Mission he's a, Impossible. He's a great actor. Like all the f- damn films are. He's top like the he's, films. he's the last great action like actor. Like the last one. There's no one who's doing what he's doing. Dude, I, I wrote that shit. I oh. I fucking literally wrote that. He's like the last real action hero. And part of the reason I think he's the best actor is because aside from making like incredible films, Tom Cruise is that guy. That's hanging off the side of an airplane. Like he's doing all his real stunts. He's riding his motorcycle. He's running full blast down the street. Mm -hmm. And he's going through all these crazy endeavors that are like athletically like they're fucking difficult to do. Sure. And through all that, he's still fucking acting. I think he's a he's a great actor, but I don't think he acts great. And by that, I mean, like he does everything an actor should but I feel like he's always kind of playing the same character, kind of. Like, he's always just the stoic, like, okay adrenaline, he's the stoic, adrenaline-seeking kind of action dude. And I don't think his characters really have that much depth, for aside for, like, maybe Vanilla Sky or um, well, he has a other Minority like, Report. Or some of his other, oh like... Oh, my God, Minority Report. Some of his more, like, what I would consider more, like, um, introspective character kind of dramas but i think there's films that we have like seen. jerry Maguire and i think there's films that we haven't seen because we, we were too young did you see jerry Maguire? i did I, I i saw that movie funnily enough when we were driving to visit mexico our family guadalajara mm-hmm. it was when my dad first got the when we first got the dvd player and the tv in the in the tacoma mm-hmm. that was like one of the movies for some reason we watched on the way very inappropriate movie for a kid to watch i'll tell you that He's got, he's with Cuba Gooding Jr. And he's got that film with um, Brad Pitt that I need to see. The one where they're both the vampires. vampires. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Interview with the Vampire. I've got to catch that. I've never one. seen that one. Yeah. He also has that one with um, with a girl. and they're... He does that one with uh, Jack Nicholson. The, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Yeah. So as far as him being the same guy that you said, I think it's because we tend to watch the action films. Sure. So we always end up with that, that same type. Of what I'm saying is he doesn't have that much range, I think, for the most part. A lot of his characters are similar. If not, if they're not the same, they're very similar, at least. Like, he's always the stoic, young buck, kind of hotshot kind of characters, I'm saying. Because yeah. even for a, a, a Few Good Men, which is that movie I'm talking about, where like he's on, where Jack Nicholson's like on trial, and he's like, you can't handle the truth. Like, he's kind of just like the... He's not that different from his character in Top Gun, is what I'm saying. Dude, he did a uh, Valkyrie. Oh, Valkyrie's good. He didn't play the same guy in Valkyrie. Obviously, no. Yeah, he's like general. He's like one of the German Ger- Hans. Was it General uh, Colonel Hans? Something Claw. I forgot his name. Mm-hmm. That's a great movie. So Valkyrie, the the stuff where like, oh, it's the same guy. Live that's, I repeat. That's the Edge Live of I repeat. Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, now what's that one where Mission Impossible? What's that one where he's like, uh, shoot, he's like wearing all white, and it's like a, it's not space movie, but it's like, it's him and one other woman, and they're they're cleaning Earth. That's like their mission. Do you remember that one? 
Yeah. And then the big, big twist is at the end is that there's actually clones of him or whatever. Oblivion. There you go with Morgan Freeman, right? Yeah. That's a con. That's, that's that was a cool a one. Action. Yeah. That was a cool one. Uh, you're forgetting uh, Last Samurai. Oh, how could I forget? I love that. I mean, it's kind of like Avatar Dances with Wolves where it's like the, you know, the invader becomes part of the local community to fight back mm-hmm. the invader. But I think of all the, of that trope, Last Samurai is probably the best one to do it. I love that movie. Yeah, and he's got a film with a... There's one I'm trying to remember. I have his list right here, but... For, not, for me, Nicol- Nicolas remember. Cage and, and Tom Cruise are up there. They're both up there for different reasons, for completely different... Nicolas Cage, again, is another actor who kind of plays the same character. Mm-hmm. Either he's very the straight-faced kind of stoic guy, or he's like the maniac laughing kind of not all there character. Those are like his two main like role types. I'm okay with that. I do. I love, have you ever seen the family man with Nick Cage? Oh, it's a great movie. That one makes me sad. The family man. Yeah. Where he leaves his wife on a mission. And then Don Cheadle is like the kind of like the magic dude who like, it's like, how would that play out differently? He like sets him back like two years to like live the alternate life of what if he had stayed with his wife? No, I haven't seen that one. The Family Man. It's a great movie. It came out like I think two thousand. Oh, the other one I gotta see. I definitely gotta see is Eyes Wide Shut with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. Oh, I never seen that one. Because I mean, I gotta see that because that's like a different side of. Sure. Films. I guess he does have a more serious kind of dramatic. You're right. He does have those roles. I guess I just don't think about him. I guess. But I mean, considering all those films together, like there's not a lot of people that have that type of that type of like uh. What is it called? The uh, spectrum in, in films. I don't know. I don't want to call it spectrum. No, I get what you're trying to the say. The closest that, one um, is probably range. Leonardo. Not maybe not range, but um, that kind of uh, filmography. I guess you would say. Yeah, filmography. The closest one to him, I think, is Leonardo DiCaprio. As far as like different type of films. Sure, DiCaprio, great one. Um, maybe not the same character or similar. When I think of DiCaprio, I always think of uh, Killian. Uh, you know, Killian Murphy. He's the guy who plays Scarecrow in the Bat in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. I don't know. The guy. He's in. Have you seen Peaky Blinders? Um, damn. He's the main. He's a show. I, show? I haven't, but that's a show. That... Do you know who I'm talking about now? Yeah, yeah. He's a guy. He's like a very long face, green eyes. It's gaunt. Yeah, face. very gaunt face. Yeah, yeah. Killian Murphy. He's great. in... have you seen Red Eye? I haven't seen Red Eye. Where he's like this, like assassin. He's like stalking uh, Rachel Adams, Rachel McAdams character. He's, uh, like I mentioned, he's in 28 Days Later, that zombie movie. Mm-hmm. He's in... Uh, 28 Days? Okay. Yeah. That's he's the main film. character in that one. He's in... Uh, obviously, like I mentioned, he's Scarecrow. He's in Peaky Blinders. He's in Inception. He's the guy they go into in Inception, if you remember. No. The, not in Inception. The one... The guy whose mind they go into to make him like dissolve his company or whatever. Remember? Like, they're on the plane. Like, they do the thing. They knock him out or whatever. He's the guy who's like he's in that meme with when he's at the bar with Leo DiCaprio and DiCaprio, and DiCaprio makes like a face. I remember the scenes. I just don't remember him in it. I remember they're trying to get him to get to his dad inside of his memories, inside of his dreams, to like find out like what he's supposed to find out to like dissolve the company or whatever. He's like the guy that they're trying. The mission is about. I just don't remember. Okay, that. I, I okay. remember the scenes like the snow scene, the van scene, the water. Yeah, the rain. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. But he's good. He's really cool. He's he does a lot of cool stuff. But he does Peaky Blinders. Yeah, he's the main. He's uh, what's it? Shelby, the main character. I I really got to see it. It's just six <coughs> seasons deep. I've only seen the first season. I haven't finished it. But my one of my best friends, Angel, tells me that I have to like finish that show. So I'm gonna get around to it eventually. 
Okay. That's one of those shows I plan to watch, like, when there's, like, a spring break or, like, I'm not working. I can just, like, blow through it. Okay. So. Right. Um. Yeah, we're balls deep into this podcast. So we should probably wrap it up. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have managed to make it this far, as always, we thank you for your listenership. We would be nothing. We wouldn't be here without you guys. So thank you. Uh, I always love seeing those listenership numbers go up. So <laughs> it keeps us going. Um, if you want to suggest a comment, you want to you have a question, you want to say something to Johnny and I or Johnny or I, uh, you can reach us as always at DualSensePodcast at Yahoo.com. Again, that is DualSense, one word, podcast at Yahoo.com. You can also reach us at DualSensePP on our Twitter, um, which doesn't really, we don't, I don't check in on that often, but you're better off reaching us in our email. But if you don't want to, I think Twitter is probably the easiest, most accessible way to get to us quickest. So DualSensePP on Twitter and DualSensePodcast, one word, at Yahoo.com. Alright, because that's a wrap for us. Do you have any closing words or should I just send us home now? Just uh, wrap it up. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we will speak to you next week. Uh, I was going to say we'll probably be a day late, but that's not true because we, we've been recording on Mondays. Do you have any plans for the Super Bowl, Johnny? Main chance? That's like next weekend. Um, I don't know. No? Next weekend is what? Like a Sunday? Sunday, that's right. My girlfriend and I are going to a friend's house for the Super Bowl. So. Oh, that's dope. So I was going to say we might not be able to record, but record on Mondays lately. So it doesn't really matter. So that's going to remain unchanged. So anyways, guys, we will see you next week. Uh, and that'll be it. Good night. Peace.